It's okay, man, bro. Fucking young, dragging knuckles on this fucking technology shit, bro. <laughs> All right, guys. So, and we're back. We're here, you guys. Episode 32 of the Art MBS podcast, the podcast by artists for artists and art lovers. I'm your host from the West Coast, James Drills. We out here. We're recording Broadway Studios, Fresno, California. Let's do some housekeeping. Shout out to everybody on Apple Podcasts holding us down. Shout out to the listeners on Spotify. The three niggas on Google listening, we still see you guys tell a friend. Listeners on the web, keep supporting, keep it cracking. Shout out to the art lovers. Shout out to the artists. You, you know what? We, we've been doing this for, for, for a minute and I have yet to really give a shout out to the ladies. Shout out to the ladies because y'all be holding it down. Okay. Further matters in housekeeping. What we got coming up? We got Art Hop. We got Black Friday sales, so if you guys are interested, hit me up. The Teespring is popping. Get your art and BS hoodie so you can, you know, constantly rep the show in fashion. Get your mug so you can pour up and, and your boss not trip. You know what I'm saying? Also, how we got here is still online. Get it while it's hot. Hit me up if you want that signed copy because you know what's really good. Everybody can't come up here, you guys. So what I did was I, I looked through my Rolodex and I said, we've we been getting in the art. We've be, we been getting in the painters. We've been getting in the designers. We had all types of cats. But you know what I really wanted to do is go back, back to the essence. And um, I want to give you guys a little bit of history because here's what sparked off this particular episode and the 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 guests that we're about to, to, to have on because this, this one is about to be probably one of the funniest episodes that you guys have heard, okay? No pressure, hella pressure, we keep it popping. So, a while ago I saw this picture and it was from a, a, a barbecue that I had been to uh, with the MCK crew. Shout out to the MCK crew, shout out to Rose, shout out to Sober, y'all niggas hold me down. Um, and in this picture, it was, it was a real old school crew and I had looked and we had Rappez on last week, shout out to Rappez. And um, the guy who posted the picture, I was like, okay, let me really get um, this guy in. Because when I met him, he was talking about this company, Anti-Labs, he was working with. And I really didn't ask him a lot of questions. But as we got to know each other, I saw like, man, this motherfucker's a real whole ass designer, right? So shout out to the wind blowing too. You know we keep it cracking, y'all. It's, it's uh, autumn and... and um, in Fresno. So this guy, he, he was a graphic designer like way back in the day before that shit was lit, before the YouTube Adobe Photoshop tutorials was popping, before y'all niggas was torrentinlinda.com. This nigga was about his shit. And also the second guest was, if you guys have my book, you can catch, you know, he's in there. He's in the graffiti year section. Yo, check it out. Like it's, you know, we, we keep it popping. We keep it official and original. So Without further ado, I'm going to introduce my illustrious guests, Floyd Sanchez and Biz. Howdy. How you guys doing? Hey, how you doing? Thanks for having us. It's great to be here. Thank you guys for coming out. Thank you guys for coming out. So we're going to do, uh, we're going to get all over the map, all across the Atlas in this episode. So for those who don't know, Floyd can you tell the people what is your first memory seeing art? Um, I think my first memory seeing art is uh, my brother is actually a painter and a photographer. He does like a lot of mixed media work, but it's it's funny his, his work is um, his work is sort of in a part of the the art world that's really hard to access. 
Um, and it's I, I, I'm, my parents are hella old. Mm-hmm. Uh, like my dad is uh, gonna be 78 this year, mm-hmm. and my mom uh, is like 70 fucking five, I think, or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like you know they're 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 up in age, and I was the baby. I was the surprise. I came when they were 40. So mm-hmm. you know it was a, a really interesting time because I got I got a brother that's 58. You know, wow. or so he was born in 65, so he's like more like 55 or something like that. Wow. But he's closing in on it. And, uh, you know, I was the baby in the midst of all that. I, I, I was a baby who had siblings that were adults when I was born, you know, mm. and doing adult shit. So one of my brothers, actually, the, the, the second oldest brother that I have is uh, he's been an artist since I was literally a, 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 ba- a toddler, you know. Mm. And um, he, like I said a moment ago, he exists in a, in a section of the art world that to most artists is completely unattainable. So it's also this strange dichotomy there where... Um, he's 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 literally done work before and collaborated with uh, Chuck Close, mm. uh, Robert Rauschenberg. Mm. He has worked with uh, uh, he's he's built out projects with uh, Jasper Johns and, and okay. communicated in that way. And people will never uh, work with Jasper Johns or Robert Rauschenberg ever again because right. they pass away. Mm-hmm. They're old masters that have already gone came and gone. So nice. he has work where where he uh, uh, Ruch- where he where he's he's uh, photographed and sat with Ed Ruscha and created works of art with with Ed Ruscha. So it's mm. it's really interesting because it's like I talk to I know people that are in a different realm of the art world. Uh, you know, sort of where street art meets uh, the gallery world, and then, and then in some extreme cases, it's where street art meets the gallery world meets the museum world. Mm-hmm. But my brother's art has always occupied from the, my, my earliest memories of art is my brother's art, and he always was his his uh, his prerogative and his perspective on art and where he wanted to put himself and where he did all his work to put himself is in the the, the high higher echelons mm-hmm. of the contemporary art world right. um, the shit that you if you go to the uh, Guggenheim in Venice mm-hmm. you'll see you know his co- people he's collaborated yeah. with you know um, and those are my memories of art is just just that 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 vein of contemporary art mm-hmm. um, and it wasn't that was the first art that I had ever encountered cause, and I thought that it was you know obviously those are they those are paintings that sell for $30 million, $50 million. You know, if you have a certain Robert Rauschenberg, it's like a $50 million painting. Facts. That's the art that I um, first admired when I was five, six, or seven. Mm -hmm. And and from there, it was just off to the races as far as observing, soaking in, being influenced by art from there. Okay, so now, here's my question. So were you going to these art shows? Were you going to exhibitions? Like, how were you, how was that, how were you getting exposure to this? Like, were you guys traveling around? So, yeah, um, my family always traveled around California quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So, uh, from a young age, like, going and checking out, like, uh, now the Broad Collection is in the Broad. But at the time, the Broad Collection was something that if it was in if it was in a town near you, you would go to see it, you know. Right. And so I saw the Broad Collection in 1999 at the SF MoMA, mm. and uh, that was just like mind blowing because you know if you go to the Broad, you see a little bit of everything mm-hmm. in contemporary art and uh, paintings that are you know priceless, but the last auction price of them is like 35 million dollars. Right. You know, that's one place that I have not. Uh, had the pleasure of visiting yet is the Broad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I saw the I saw the Broad collection while it was uh, kind of not it didn't have a house you mm-hmm. know. And okay. So I saw it at SF MoMA nice. back in when I was like twelve, thirteen or something like that. And that was a really formative experience in like taking in art and seeing seeing the Basquiat, seeing the Warhol, mm. seeing the Rauschenberg, seeing the okay. Chuck Closes, seeing those those Grail paintings that uh, you know as far as contemporary art is concerned, those are 
like the Mona Lisa, right. you know, to see like a, 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 a certain Basquiat. Yeah. Or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. being able to take that stuff in, and and then uh, and then I never knew that later down the road I would be able to connect with curators and gallerists uh, that are involved in street art, mm-hmm. and so that was sort of my second. Uh, experience interfacing with artists uh, that that are like firmly in the street art world, right. um, and that was just by virtue. I got to shout out Ro. You know we were talking mm-hmm. about Ro earlier, but um, you know Ro is extremely fortunate and blessed to be uh, uh, someone that people gravitate towards. You know, mm-hmm. and and even he it, there was no gravitation necessary in his relationship with his cousin. Um, Andres Guerrero from uh, Guerrero Gallery. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Roman would always take us to, to go see his cousin and, uh, and and introduce us to his cousin and make sure that we had every opportunity and access and, and we were able to, to, to you know? Nice. And it's funny because oftentimes we'd, we'd, we're from Adair, you know? Mm-hmm. We, would, we would react by squandering that opportunity. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I can't, like, I, maybe Biz could tell you some stories about it, but I'd go to the openings you know, we'd be functioning with whoever, whatever, whatever, you know, I can name names, but I'm not, not really feeling, feeling it, but we'd be wild as fuck at the openings. <laughs> yeah, know? a lot of these events, you know, yeah. were sponsored by, like, before Paps Blue Ribbon, you know, had the revival, uh-huh. they were trying to fucking, you know, roll back, so it'd be like, hey, we got, like, this uh, skid of, like, Paps Blue Ribbon that's sponsoring our event, like, you know, they're yeah. free, mm-hmm. and we'd walk in, you know, like, fucking, what, like, 21, 22 years old, like, Going full blast, yeah, yeah, like, like, 19, like bro, you know? what yeah. the fuck? There's free beer. Or like, Coca, they had yeah. like they had uh, they, uh, for for a few openings in a row. They had a uh, uh, absinthe. Oh yeah, and oh, they that had, one was uh, bad. Coca leaf liquor. Wow. That had the you know they had the sponsor. They had the the pr- promotional girls out pouring mm-hmm. up. Yeah. And man, we did some wild shit. I don't even want I don't even want to talk about it. But like we made some uh, real uh, experimental chemical cocktails with that yeah. shit and, uh, and, and and got lost in the tender. You got elevated this yeah. shit. <laughs> But uh, maybe if you have Ro on the podcast, he could tell you. Yeah, we need that, to get Ro. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm going to speak that to existence. We're going to get Ro on here. We'll he's a good historian, dude. Yeah, yeah. So he, was, sure. he was so. The thing was with Ro is this fool's been sober for like. His whole life. His whole was, life, you know? He was sober the entire so, like, time. So when we're fucking around blacking up. Yeah, he was just babysitting. Well, <laughs> he was fucking babysitter making sure we weren't getting arrested or, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, falling off shit or yeah. getting beat up most of the time, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then also trying to make sure manage the. Uh, the embarrassment level that we were bringing to like, the yeah. name the morning <laughs> yeah, after yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah yeah man but wow Rose our, Rose our big bro for life mm-hmm. he uh and, and, and I guess if I were to sum up my experience with art there's two sides to it mm-hmm. there's my brother who uh like literally like has collab- unattainable collaborations in the art world um and at the highest level of contemporary art you mm-hmm. know like uh, Whitney Biennial shit and like you know mm. and and then later in life you know like that was from age 5, 6, 7, 8 all the way to age 14, 15, 16 mm. and, then, and then later in life you know coming into adulthood uh, just being exposed and connected with and, 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 and really fortunate to have the um, connections made in the, in the street art world you know Mm-hmm. And so it's a dichotomy between the two. Like my design perspective is influenced by both of those, and and all the other shit too. Like skateboarding, you know, we came up skateboarding every day. We just our that was our life. Skateboarding mm-hmm. every day, getting dirty, being dumb, break, rolling our ankles, fucking not being able to yeah. walk for like five weeks. Yeah. You know, like who were some of you guys? Uh, who were some of the skaters that influenced you guys? Oh, bro, uh, Jamie Thomas for sure, bro. That's why I don't have any fucking ankles or fucking yeah. knees left and shit. Jamie trying to, be, Thomas, yeah. trying to be a fucking badass, bro. Now I'm like, fuck, bro, I should just like 
like, fucking uh, Rodney Mullen or something stuck to like <laughs> yeah. flip tricks on flat ground and shit and I yeah. wrecked my shit. It just kind of happened, so happened that like, uh, like at the time when I was young and skateboarding all the time, mm-hmm. the trajectory of like Tony Trujillo's career was on oh, the right. same, on the same wave. And like, I don't know how the two got cross pollinated, but I went through a, a, like a heavy phase where like, I, I, I'm not saying I skated in a com- comparable way to Tony Trujillo, <laughs> but I'm saying Far people, like, but, but, but. Yeah, you have a look, bro. You could have yeah, been exactly. a stunt. Could've been, Floyd could have been a stunt double, bro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, shit. The stunt double that didn't do anything yeah. difficult. The, 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 the crash dummy. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Oh, shit. Okay. But, yeah, that's yeah. high school. That's hard. That's hard. So, you guys, so it's it's like the skateboarding graffiti element that all is tying together. When So, Floyd, when you were younger, it's, it's interesting to hear that your older brother, you know, had that foot in, that foothold in there. And that you were actually able to, because it seems like, from what I'm getting, that you understood the value of those pieces that you were looking at. Yeah, exactly. You know, right. Like, I, you know, from, from when I was my daughter's age, she just turned seven, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a, a little earlier than that, six. I would look at the, I would look at, like, a... Like a, a Jackson Pollock mm. painting, and I don't think anybody understands a Jackson Pollock painting. Right. But there was something about it that spoke to me. You know, when everybody else, I remember the big thing. Everyone would be like, you know, we'd be like third graders trying to draw like fucking Ferraris and shit and like Lamborghinis, right. like you know. But like, I I understood from an early age that a Jackson Pollock had value. You know, and so it's funny. Like we talk about graffiti, and you know, and like my history with graffiti. My history with graffiti is literally just being comfortable with how shitty my graffiti looked because I'm like, this is abstract art, baby. I don't give a fuck, you know? Like, yeah. it's, it, it's, a, it's enough of, a, it's enough of a, 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 a victory or like, a, like an accomplishment for me to just hop out the whip and fucking blast some paint on something. Mm-hmm. I don't care how it looks or what it says. Actually, I kind of want it to be a little wilder and crazier mm-hmm. than what everybody else More thinking, conceptual. You know? Yeah. But at the same time, I'm not trying to act like I, like I put it, like put in any major work in graffiti or anything like that. But definitely, just like uh, always being around people that that were really putting their life and body and uh, freedom and everything else on the line, mm-hmm. you know, to to live that life. And it, and it's something that um, that I've always respected with and, and had kinship with people that did that, even if it wasn't. You know, I've, even if I never got that deep into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what's funny is like I've known you for a long time. And, uh, like, I never put the, like, I never really thought about the connection, you know, with your older brother and you and shit, but guaranteed, like, you know, cause I used to tinker with like, you know, paint and, uh, I was like in web design class and shit. Cause I was a couple years old in, in Floyd and shit. So I was like, all right, dude. And like, I, I would see Floyd like fucking around like on some shit. And I'm like, dude, like, what the fuck are you doing, bro? Like that shit looks like super weird. You know, like I couldn't put two and two together, you know, like the connection that he was just like doing this other shit, you know, like me, like I was like in my head, like. I've always just been fucking like consumer friendly, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, dude, like, all right, this is like what they tell me. They want these polished shit, blah, blah, blah. You got to have flash animation, this and that at that time, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck goes on now. But at that time, and I would see Floyd and I'm like, bro, like, really? You really just going to ride this fucking thing out, huh? <laughs> You're going to, all right. Yeah. Well, I, I, fucking, you know, that, cool. You, you got your lane. You were definitely, you definitely ran with it and shit and still running with it, you know? But at that time, like, being young kids, you know, which is like high school, like, obviously, like, you know, you have fucking your peers, and I'd be like, fuck, bro, like, damn, I'm like, all right, mm-hmm. I guess it makes sense to you and shit, like, I don't understand it, but, you know, now, like, 
in retrospect, I'm all right, bro. Like, you were bubbling this shit. Like, you know, you were trying to figure out. Yeah. I think that was kind of at the heart of it. It was like, uh, I, I guess it would just be recognizing what my talents were at the time. Like, it's like, I'll never, like, I'm looking around at your studio right now. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm seeing a progression of the technicality of your work mm -hmm. and also a real emphasis on the on the process of how you're making it. Mm -hmm. Now I'm real I'm too impatient for that shit. And mm. also like well, I've never had any success. I haven't created a feedback loop where I was like, damn, that drawing was pretty good. I should like really invest myself in that. Cause I've never seen that potential in myself mm -hmm. to, to, to do anything in the realm of this. You know? Yeah. But what can I do? Mm -hmm. Feel artistically free enough to go the op to the opposite end of the spectrum and do something that you ha when you look at it you it makes you scratch your head a little bit mm -hmm. you know because you you're, you might have question what you're looking at you know and so i dove head first into that aspect mm -hmm. of things at the time at that time right but now you know so much of my work over the past like tw 12 or so years has been a progression towards solving uh my clients pro uh, uh, uh challenges mm -hmm. you know because i I've got, i do a lot of commission work like in the Nonprofit sector, higher education, um, institutions like the airport's one of our uh, a client of ours, and um, those clients, I can't just make some shit that you know I think is cool, right? Because I I'm you know I got a different perspective mm -hmm. on shit, you know. Yeah. What I mean? So it's been a, the challenge that I've been embracing the most over the past twelve years has been how do I take a client like Fresno State University and apply my skill sets and the things that I know how to bring to fruition mm -hmm. so that it will. Uh, solve their uh, achieve their goal or solve the challenge that they're facing right yeah, and you know what's crazy though sitting here talking to you about this it i what i really get and i really feel when you're telling me it's like there's a risk involved with doing what you do like there's this level of uncertainty and there's like in your i feel like you're like betting it all and like and it's like you're you're putting your hands over your eyes i don't know red or black here's everything Where's the where's the ball gonna fall on yeah. the roulette wheel? You know, and that for for me, it's like I don't for I, that level of risk and danger isn't something that is present in what I do. So hearing you say it and feeling it because I'm feeling it from what you're saying, I'm like, damn! Like it makes me think like, how can I make some? How can I take some risks in my heart? How can I, you know, do some unsettling things? Hearing you say that is 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 a uh, is a uh, um it kind of brought up some other things for me. Like, and, and I guess I would say this is like, if I'm looking around in here and I, I can see the, the, the ball game that you're playing right mm -hmm. now, you know, your ball game is that you're learning some very traditional refined techniques in art, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm, and, and I guess I look around in here and I feel the same way, you know, that intimidates me to know that I'm playing a game that's existed for 600, 700 years, mm -hmm. you know, dating back to the Renaissance, you right. know? Mm -hmm. That intimidates me. Mm. So what is what? So what am I? What do I do about it? I invent new rules and I invent a new ball game to play that is right in that makes use of my talents. You know, fits your skill set. Yeah, and fits mm -hmm. my skill set. So that way, I don't have to be judged next to your work, mm. which you put all this effort and time into. You know, my work is being judged on a, on a different merit. Right. You know, and I guess that to me, that's a lot like uh, what uh, you know. One of my influences when I was young, as far as art's concerned, was like. I loved uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat. Mm -hmm. Like from age 11 to age 19, mm -hmm. Jean-Michel Basquiat was one of my favorite, you know, was like, honestly, I, I studied that, that his body of work and mm -hmm. his, 
and his life and, and, and the, the advents and innovations that he brought to the table in, in, in the art world. Right. Uh, obsessively, you know what I mean? And I, I feel like that it's, a, it's sort of like that's what he did, you know, or that's what Jackson Pollock did. Mm -hmm. Nobody uh, at that time, imagine being in the 1940s in America, you know, imagine being in the 1950s in America. Mm -hmm. There's McCarthyism. There's everyone's afraid of communism, anything mm -hmm. progressive. You know, when we try to do shit that's a little progressive now and we're intimidated that, especially here in Fresno, that people are going to take it the wrong way or demonize it, you mm -hmm. know? Imagine being in 1950s, yeah. you know? Imagine being in the 1950s and making paintings like Jackson Pollock made, you know? Mm -hmm. And how when everyone's trying to say you're a communist and send you to jail and say you're a traitor and da-da-da-da-da, there's people, the FBI is literally running files on anyone that's doing anything different. Mm -hmm. Imagine what the courage it took for Jackson Pollock to define a new aesthetic in art at that time, you know? Right, but also there was, art was used as propaganda and warfare and things like that, and there were there were different movements, um, yeah. you know, that, um, because they wanted to say, like, the abstract expressionalist movement, that was some commie shit. Like, yeah. that was, that they was really on that, you know, where, which is interesting because, like, the Russians have this whole, like, naturalist movement. They got, like, painters like Repin, who are, like, some of the, he's, like, one of the best painters, one of your favorite painters, favorite painters, like, how people always say. But, um, you know, it's, for me, though, Floyd, and, and Biz can attest to this because, like, Biz has seen, like, the the transition from like yards to like okay I'm gonna like do this shit to and and I remember one time I was doing something he was like damn cut you really trying to do this art shit right mm -hmm. I think it was when I painted the red fox I painted the red fox yeah. he was like damn cut you really trying to do this art shit and I was like bro like I'm going you know and it was like a thing I just couldn't stop you know um but yeah it so for me there's always been like, cause I like graffiti, but I, it's always been, there's this mystique of like the fine art shit. And I always wanted to be, be able to, to put my voice into it, you know, but in that, and in, in talk the talk, you know, because it's like, all right, you don't, there's not a lot of like growing up looking at art. There was like the Rembrandts and, and like. Bougaro, but Basquiat did abstract, but there weren't a lot of black people mm. doing art. Like as far as like, and then now that I'm older, I know the people to look for. Like they, like you know, in the 19th century, you had like Henry Aswatan, or you had Robert S. Duncanson, who was like the second generation of the Hudson River School. You have like Jules Johnson, who was like one of the first American black painters. Like these are like really great African American painters, but they all it's like they all had a lot of bullshit they had to deal with. And then after that movement, there was like a fall off in like really strong African-American, like traditionalist painters, you know? And then boom, you have the boom and then there's Basquiat. And not to say that there weren't painters, but no one blew like those guys, you know? And then you have Basquiat. So then what he did was I feel like Basquiat took all of the attention off of like what these guys did when they were like really bringing it. And what he did, I, I applauded, like, out the gutter. Like, I applaud the hustle. But it's kind of like if you're watching basketball and you don't like the way a nigga shoots. You know what I'm saying? The, the thing is, hearing Floyd, hearing you talk about it, I have... It makes me, like... My level of disdain for him kind of goes down because I'm like, okay... Hearing you say that and put what he was going... 
his whole like ammo and then how that influenced you it makes me think like hmm wow he influenced people that I fuck with a lot but I still feel the way I feel about yeah. it and, and that's I think because of the route that I'm taking in this particular art world yeah. you know I think to me if I, to take it to skating like uh, mm -hmm. you look at like a Mark Gonzalez right mm -hmm. like Mark Gonzalez has been a seminal figure in skateboarding mm -hmm. since the, you know the, the 80s right right and uh, character he don't give a fuck <clears throat> about what you think about a skateboarding, you know? Right. He just has this burning desire and this burning style and this burning uh, swag inside of him that just gets out every time he touches a skateboard. Mm -hmm. And he creates a universe of possibilities that are, that are it's like a language that he's created, you know? And, mm -hmm. and the way that he expresses himself on a skateboard and through art as well. Mm -hmm. And... It's almost like Jean-Michel Basquiat did the same thing. He created a language, you know, that only that he was the foremost authority in. True. You know, and his body of work is a reflection of that language, mm. you know, that he created. He created a whole new language. And I feel like it was because, you know, in part, I feel like some, you know, I, I can't speak to his motivations for doing it. Mm -hmm. But what I took away from it, that's all I can really speak to really, yeah. is the freedom to create my own language, you know. Mm -hmm. And the freedom to, 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 to make my decisions creatively, personally, uh, and otherwise, you know, it using having the, the, the confidence to use my creativity and, 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 and find, find what I was trying to really say. Mm -hmm. you know? Right, because otherwise you're subject to some pre-existing dogma and set of rules and standards that has been laid out before you. And then you're trying to yes. jump through these flaming hoops. Whereas if you're creating your own language, you're active, you're, you're operating in real time yeah. and you don't have to make those. And people may like it, people may not, mm -hmm. you know? It's like, but that's not, I guess, that's what separates art from design or other, you know, worldly pursuits is that doesn't matter if people like your art or not. Mm -hmm. You know, it's great if they do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, nine times out of ten, you know, let's be real about our art and, and making a living off art. Mm -hmm. uh, if we're judging off the traditional standards of success in society, mm -hmm. you know, like most artists, people don't like their art enough to buy enough so that they can make a living from it. This is true. Know? And uh, so, I mean, so that tells me that that's not the reason why people make art is, mm -hmm. is at the end of the day, it's not because uh, they think they're going to get rich off of it right. because they, anyone who sticks around in the art world that most people are at are stick around long enough to realize pretty quick that they're not going to get rich off mm -hmm. of it. You yeah. Know? Mm -hmm. So what is it? Why do people keep making art? You know, burning and, desire. Yeah. And, and, and for someone like Jean-Michel Basquiat, who rose to prominence at age 21, mm -hmm. you know, and then all of a sudden he's selling paintings for 250000 and then all, you know, some, some of his, I think some of his prices while he was living went, reached a million. It's like he was creating art because of a burning desire. And then for some reason, luck, uh, other, you know, other factors, the, mm -hmm. the where New York City's art, uh, the, the, the city Manhattan's art world was at the time, mm -hmm. all these factors came into play that put him... Uh, at the in in, a, in in the game you know mm -hmm. and at the at the echelon of, of art at that time but um, you know most artists will never see that that right. type of prominence you mm -hmm. know and but they keep doing it anyways you right know? you you know what's interesting though is like also it's it's not what you know and it's who you know and i wonder like it's like the big homie like syndrome like if he didn't have that big homie how yeah. far would he have made it yeah you know because like that's that's the thing too is is you know, um, Warhol did a lot for him. You know, so it's like those doors being opened. You, 
it's just yeah it's it, it well you know it, it's it's a very tricky subject and, and i like i said i do appreciate it and impact is impact you know like and that's that's the thing like our i'm i'm a firm believer damn dude i was trying to go this whole episode without saying that because <laughs> i say every episode you have a dude. sign on the wall that says uh, days uh, days since days since last uh, i'm a firm believer <laughs> yeah for real yeah, but definitely it's it's about impact, you know, and no matter what you do, the amount of people you touch is what really matters. Yes. And the other thing too is that I mean, fuck, we everything's about who you know and what and what you know, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. But at the same time, you know, some of us are averse to kissing ass, you know? Mm-hmm. And that'll put you back. But if 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 you were a fucking big time ass kisser or you were a big time ass kisser, you'd go you'd go much further in the worldly definition of success you know yeah but you'd be sacrificing at least uh, how i feel about it you know you guys may feel the same you're sacrificing a part of yourself for that success and i'm not trying to kiss no fucking ass you know mm-hmm. and uh and maybe you know but your you you the relationship between basquiat and warhol it might have been ass kissing or it might have been love mm-hmm. you know and Who's to define that, especially mm-hmm. now that neither of them are living to talk about right. it. Right. And I feel like it probably was a love thing. It may have been like, hey, you know, um, because it's like, it's one of those things where, yeah, they, maybe they needed each other. You know, like, may, like hey, you, you inspire me, I inspire you. And, you know, because old dogs can learn new tricks from young yeah. artists. And that's the thing, too. Um it, it's it's real interesting because for me I've met you know like it's like there's always been someone like okay I came to California I needed to learn the yards Rose showed me the yards I I made the decision to get into fine art and then Nigel and Norberto helped me like pointed me in the direction of fine art so there's always everyone always needs some sort of yeah. assistance yeah. you know and it's and, and it's I- in my personal journey and like, you know, spiritually and otherwise in my life experience, uh, as much as I can think about it, it's just like, uh, none of us or our achievements or the things that we're most prideful about ourselves about uh, exists in a vacuum where it's not dependent on something somewhere along the line that someone else puts you in a position to either uh, uh, develop as a habit mm-hmm. or even our singular accomplishments that we say like, oh, back in, Back in 2011, I did this, you know, mm-hmm. somebody put you in the game to do that, yeah. you know, and that's where that's a whether, you know, I think I think we're 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 all in the same place right now. Right. Uh, you're, we're both in downtown Fresno every day mm-hmm. doing what we want to do and hopefully getting some fulfillment and also, mm-hmm. you know, making our way in the world and paying our bills by way of that. Right. But um, like. Even in our meager, you know, where we're getting by, living off of our passion and getting by and doing our thing, mm-hmm. people have people facilitate that and collaborate with us to make that happen every yeah, day. This you is know? true. And like, it's that's just the reality. But some of us got a big bro who can put you in the fucking art game, like, like, like you know, like, like whoever you know, mm-hmm. whoever facilitated and contributed to Basquiat finding the position that he found. Mm-hmm. You know, he had. He, well, he just, just had, walked up to Warhol and was like, yeah, "Yo, here's my stuff." Exactly, you know. And and but but we all have some measure of people doing that for us, and that's what put, that's what got us to where we're at. Yeah. you know what I mean. True. And at the end of the day, I mean, it's a real tragic story when you look at when you look at a Basquiat type story, or like you know other other people who died at fucking 27 mm-hmm. from some fuck shit. Yeah, it's like none of that success meant anything in the end. You this know, it's true. Yeah, and hopefully we hopefully we never end up in that in that dire position of suffering that puts you in that, you know, makes you a cold body laying on a fucking bed with a needle in your arm. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
Like, mm-hmm. you know, that's the that's that's the ultimate prayer that 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 we live long, fulfilling, passionate lives, you know, and not don't end up like that. Because you could have it all and still end up like that, you know. Yes. You could have it all and it makes it more likely that you're going to end up like that, you know, which is which is really crazy because. It's like that's the 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 whole thing is everybody wants to get there, but then once you get there, it's like then what? You know, then like there's all this temptation and all the bullshit, and then but hair. I'm gonna tell you, man. I've I've had enough friends that fell victim to heroin for me to not fuck yeah. with that shit. You know what I'm saying? It's that, just like I forget who the comedian was. It was like Chris Rock maybe or like Dave Chappelle, but mm-hmm. they're like everyone knows what can happen when you smoke crack. <laughs> Everyone knows what can happen when you when you when you shoot or smoke heroin, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. But still, to to this day, there's probably within a mile radius, yeah. there's people who are trying it for the first time. Yeah, like oh, let me get some of that. I heard the good things about this shit, you know. And it's crazy to think about, you know. But um, another another thing that that I was thinking about too is how. Uh, Nah, I forgot how I said it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. So let, let's take a turn, Biz. Let's let's kind of get, because you've been over there chilling, and I wanted to talk to you about um, your first memory seeing art, because it, it was probably, it couldn't be anything like Floyd's because it was with his brother. So what was your first memory? Bro, mine, well, first off, I grew up as a Mexican, bro. Pretty much, I fucking was a Mexican till I moved to Madeira, and I got to fourth grade. Then I learned how to speak English and shit. And then, you know, assimilate. Because <clears throat> other than that, you know, I was the oldest in my family. I knew Spanish. I did fucking shit, Mexican shit. Um, so the first memories I remember of art were the fucking bread store calendars, dude, with, like, the Aztec warrior on them. Or some sort of other, like, fucking Aztec uh, calendar on them, you know? And then uh, well, I grew up, I was born in L.A. So, you know, walking around um, Highland Park, you know, th- there was a decent amount of murals and shit. So I remember that. Um, and then part of it, I mean, I was never really good at art. Uh, I've been good at, I've been good at like, I'm always good at like learning how people do shit. So I kind of shoulder hustle and then fucking do it. So before I knew English, I remember this kid in my class he used to draw Ninja Turtles, bro. And fucking, I seen how he did it. And like, so he was getting all the fame off it. And I was like, ah, fuck this fool, you know? At a young age, you know, I was already hating, but uh, I'm salty as fuck. But I was like, all right, bro, this is hella easy. So I just like, I told him make one for me. And then one day, like I traced it. And I just kept tracing, bro, and tracing, and finally, dude, I just, like, knocked those fucking Ninja Turtles out, bro. Like, I couldn't even communicate with kids, bro, but, like, I'd be like, all right, bro, like, I got this hard-boiled egg and, like, this bean burrito and shit. Like, I know you got the hostess cake and, like, some other, like, uh, American-type food, bro. Like, I hit you with the Ninja Turtle, bro. Like, after a while, like, I already had pre-done Ninja Turtles, bro, so all I had to do was, was you know, color in the bandana, you know? Like, oh, you want Raphael, bro? You want Leonardo? Oh, you're, you're a fucking introvert. All right, we'll get that's you with how, the Leonardo. That's, that's how you were in jail, fool. Yeah. Same thing, bro. You know, I always see, like, an opportunity for something, I guess. But, yeah, that that's mostly it, you know? And then growing up, like, I always was kind of, like, always want to learn how to do shit, bro. But I think being the oldest, you know, then, like, a lot of my cousins... You know, we're just into, like, other shit. Like, I guess when you grow up, like, somewhat like a first generation, you kind of think about, like, you know, your parents' scope on on shit is, like, okay, let's not get deported. Let's pay the bills. Let's fucking focus on this shit. Not, like, on leisure or, you know, like, the fine arts or fucking let's let's take these fools to to a fucking museum or something, you know? You know, if we even went anywhere, you know, like... Mm -hmm. that. That's what it was, but... So I would just always see shit. And then, you know, eventually when I learned English... The, I forget what catalog had it, 
But what was the parrot face? You know, you draw the parrot in the fucking book. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, Become become an artist. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. uh, In juxtapose, that's what they do. Yeah, now they do artists. Like they they'll give like an artist like. Yeah, they do this. They're they're doing it. Oh, tight. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the application. I remember that shit, and so you know, then after that, like, kind of fizzled out. Like I would try shit, and then, uh, I mean, I would like I actually painted, dude. I did a lot of color painting when I was like, someone gave me a kit, or someone came through with something from like a. From like a fucking secondhand store, bro. And like, I, I thought I was all right. I, like, I wish I still had some so I could fucking prove it to myself. But I'm always been like pretty confident, so I always think like, you know, my shit looks good. Um, remember that. And then when I was in high school, you know, like, uh, I remember like, I met Floyd, and Floyd was like on some weird shit. But we'd be digging on the internet, and you know, fucking be like looking at pictures of graffiti, looking at like graphic design shit, like searching like weird. Like before I knew what a blog was for, I'd be like, bro, check this shit out, bro. This got like. They just post pictures like, <laughs> of like weird shit. And Can I, I like, ask you a question? Are you talking about art crimes? No, not art crimes. You're not. I think it was, I think it was a, a little before that. Because mm-hmm. oh, okay. after that, then I was like, oh, okay, now mm-hmm. this is like specific to graffiti. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, I forget what it was. Well, because art crimes, but then there's also 12 ounce profit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you yeah. Know. 12 ounce was a little later, no? Yeah, or was it already it was, going like, during that time? Art crimes was founded in 1996. My, my boy, oh, really? he's actually from Fresno who, mm-hmm. who created it. Yeah. His name's Brett Webb. He, he's a super cool, super cool dude. Um, yeah, uh, uh, shout out Brett, Brett Webb. Uh, yeah, he made art crimes in back in, uh, yeah, 1996. Okay. And then, uh, he also, uh, I, I forget what video game he was playing, but he, he found, he found someone's, someone's shit in a video game mm. and he told the artist about it. It was some New York shit. Uh-huh. And, uh, I think oh, it was, it was Thought or something. Thought or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and then they sued Rockstar Games and got mm. a fat settlement out of it. Nice. Yeah. Like. Brett's a, Brett's a sad. Brett's nice. A, yeah. He's from Fresno. He went, to, he went to Edison. Sick. I never knew that when we were sitting around really? on our crimes. Yeah, I never. Crazy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it was created Me by a Fresno food. Yeah, because I moved from here to Indy and, Indy, and when we were doing our, like, I was on our crimes, like, 98, 99, like, just looking at all the graph, and I never knew, like, wow, I just left the place that, yeah, yeah. That this shit came from. Yeah, Brett, Brett was in New York for, like, a, a real long time, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, yeah, he, he he functioned with everybody because he's like a he's like one of those few fools that are like a, a, a graffiti historian, okay. you know, who has in his archives like shit. You're like, oh fuck, is that a label by you know so and so? He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, I got like ten of them, you know. Wow. And uh, it it reminds me of uh, um, uh, what was a uh, uh, while you were sleeping? Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I his, uh, his his name's drawing a blank on me, but uh, uh, yeah. While you were sleeping, the magazine, right? Roger Gassman. Okay. Yeah, okay. Roger Gassman, mm-hmm. Brett Webb, Roger Gassman, and you know, there's a few other fools who are like historians mm-hmm. about the art form that mm-hmm. we call graffiti. You know? Yeah. And yeah. Sick. That's common, man. Yeah, I never knew those were the guys behind the publications. You know, I just, you know, uh, the only time I ever knew like this was who was behind this publications when I got I was in Seattle and Clout came out. Uh, and it was like, oh, fucking dire, fucking, like, yeah. they make this shit. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Dude, if I knew, like, I had that first issue and it got lost, but that shit, there's enough, like, 200 on the web Damn. now. I'm like, fuck, man, that shit's nuts. Those are tight. Did, did those ever, readily available for a while, you Yeah, know? for real. For that was real. the best part about did, it. Did you ever meet, um, I actually met him down here. I'm trying to think if he yeah, had no, a studio here or not. Mm-hmm. But he, uh, uh, yeah, he was, he was one of the, um, the, the dudes that made uh, that made Clout, mm-hmm. and he was in here in Fresno for a while. I think he was a curator at uh, at Arte Americas. Oh, sick! Yeah. Damn, that's wild. Yeah. 
Damn, that's hella cold. That's hella cold. So Biz, what's your favorite type of spray paint? Favorite type of spray paint? Yeah. Bro, those kills. Bro, because like, you know, I'm not I'm not a detailed dude, bro. But those kills, when you figure out how to run those, bro, and you can just fucking blast. Like it was like one cap, no nothing, bro. Just fucking run it. That shit was like the shit, bro. That was like fucking unlocking numbers right there. You know, especially on, on freight because it's like, bro, you're going to cover everything. Like even yeah. the Rusto was cool, you know, but like those fucking kills, bro. Like you just throw a fat ass. You throw a big old splurge cap on them too. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude. Those are tight. I don't, I don't know who fucking put me up on those. Yeah. So, Floyd, one thing that I wanted to ask you, man, is like, you know, being an adult, how would you say that fatherhood has changed your approach to art? Um, fatherhood has changed my approach to art just in that I feel like when I was making art or design or whatever decisions on my own, you know, I, I, I've rarely had collaborators when it comes to design or, or art. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't have to explain anything. You know, I didn't have to rationalize anything or think through anything other than to myself, which mm-hmm. I did, but I would never have to articulate that to anyone else, you mm-hmm. know? And so now that I have, uh, now that I have children, I just feel that it's incumbent upon me to help, help them articulate their reasoning, not just for creative endeavors, but for everything to themselves, you know, and not just do things out autopilot and not just do things for no reason, but to be able to articulate, you know, um, at least for right now while we're attached at the hip and we spend all, the, all of our time together and they're looking to me for that information mm-hmm. to equip them with the ability to do that for themselves for, for whatever they're going to do in the future mm. yeah definitely that okay I, I dig it so would you say that um, would you say that the type of like work that you do has been consistent or has the sub I would say this, like, has your aesthetic changed at all since you become a father? Or is it, would you feel like it's still, um, you're still, because it, you know, you guys, you started in high school doing the, like, taking risks, pushing, you know, in a, in a different path. And then, so having children, like, taking those risks and carving your own lane, do you feel, or like, are you still doing that? And are, and how are you able to convey this is what you're doing to your children? Yeah. So, honestly, the aesthetic hasn't changed, um, and I think that's in part because I'm so rooted in the aesthetic that I've developed over the years. Like, mm-hmm. I have a process; I pretty much follow it every time, but it's just for a different, to a different end, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I started designing um, in 1999, so it's been 20 years uh, mm-hmm. this year. Um, and uh, my design aesthetic, even then, it wasn't as refined, and I didn't know have all the tools, but it's a complete continuation to, to this day of the aesthetic that I started defining and honing at that time, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Like, would you say that? Like, the shit that I designed in fucking 2003, because you saw yeah, it. definitely a lot more polished. And then, I mean... But it's roughly the same, yeah, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. It's roughly the same. You still, it has your, your theming. Yeah. And it's simple, you know? It's like a lot, it's, it's sim- simplicity. And that's the thing that I've been developing over the years is confidence in confidence in what I left out like I'm never worried that I that I that I didn't include something you know because my my goal is to is to have the minimal as as minimum amount of content as I can to accomplish the purpose so that it has the most eloquence and elegance you know Um, that's like a hallmark of my aesthetic so my my entire trajectory has been on honing the creative confidence and the ability to compose something that has 
checks off all the boxes strategically, mm-hmm. but has the minimal amount of ba- other types of baggage in it. You wow. Know? Um, and those, so things haven't really changed much, but what has changed is definitely like, um, I felt the itch more to uh, balance the work that I do on commission for mm-hmm. clients, um, which is like, to me, it's like day job shit, mm-hmm. you know? Cause that's what I, that's what I do with uh, things that I make for self-initiated purposes. So I just, I recently launched a brand called Oso and uh, in launching Oso, it was, uh, it was something that I, I, it was an idea that I had had for a real long time um, and a name that I had been playing with in my head for a real long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had never, you know, something about, I don't know what the mental barrier was between me actually creating something of it, uh-huh. but I finally uh, had launched it earlier this year and it's I'm I'm really enthused and, uh, and and gratified by the reception it's been getting, um, but yeah, I, I I held off on that for a long time and I do want to kind of attribute the reason why I got finally got it out to the fact that I want to set an example, you know, and and, and create and, and have the work that my kids are able to look at in my body of work mm-hmm. know that at, at least a portion of it was self initiated and mm-hmm. what I wanted to create. And so I aligned my resources in a way that I invested in creating something as opposed to just doing things for commission where it's just, I'm just getting paid to do it. Yeah. I'm doing things that I'm taking a risk and being entrepreneurial and, uh, and spending the money, you know, and not, not even under the pretense that it's going to come back to me, but under the pretense that I'm going to get an idea out in the world that I feel is important. Mm. Okay. Cause I want that. I want, I want to set that example for them. Yeah. Yeah. Put it into existence. Mm-hmm. For so long, I was I was gratified by just making stuff, and even if nobody saw it, I made it, and I got the I got the a joy out of that practice of making it, and that experience of making it, and the process of making it, and then it would just sit on my computer for years and years and years, and I'm getting those designs out now through mm-hmm. Oso, and and people are you know people people message me and uh, tell me like, dude, I would have never thought you know like what the fuck this is like Keith Haring it mixed with the UFW. Uh, eagle like I've never seen this shit before and I'm like yeah cause that's I, I fucking kind of passed it shit together and made it out of you know what I mean yeah I'm not saying it's two original ideas but them being paired together in, in, a, in a composition and unified in a composition to me strikes two very uh, distinct chords that I have inside my heart that to see these two things put together brings me joy mm-hmm. and I hope it brings other people joy mm-hmm. too you know it's kind of like you're sampling to make a beat it's exactly yeah like let yeah. me let me get this Billy Holiday fucking chord right here and let me take this you know like some Miles Davis and put them shits together and yeah. then yeah exactly yeah and, and and that's a tension that I feel though too is is you know to to to, to try to like balance those those remix type things or those like sample things mm-hmm. with original things too, mm-hmm. you know and so i definitely feel the tension there where i don't want to be doing logo flips and fucking taking other people's shit and you know turning it out the other end of some sort of process at the other end mm-hmm. all the time i'm not averse to doing it but i don't want to be too reliant on that as well mm, yeah got you it seems like versatility is like something that's always on your mind and not not playing the same note too often um, if possible, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about because I know you guys are. Yeah, let's talk about kickboxing and Muay Thai. Let's 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 let's, let's really get to it. Let's yeah. get to it because you know I know you guys have had. Now, how long have you guys been into into that? Uh, I've been training for like five years. Okay. 
I've been training for like probably like four since okay. my like probably like two months before my daughter was born. Like Floyd, okay, told me like, hey bro, you should come check this out. Uh, shout out to our gym, uh, MMKG, Manny Mancha Kickboxing Gym, and our crew Malap and Prapa too, fucking showing us love. But yeah, Floyd was like, bro, you should come check this out. Like, you know, like you're gonna have a daughter. Like, probably be like. You can't just look big all the time, you know? You probably gotta figure out how to put hands on somebody. Right, right. That's what's been the crazy thing about it is uh, about training Muay Thai is, Mm -hmm. you know, when you go four times a week for six months straight, Mm -hmm. it's like you learn to fight whether you want to or not Mm because you're just there. You're in an environment where, you know what I mean? And the the good thing about our gym is that there's no egos involved, you know, and when they, when egos do come into play and there's an aggressive energy in our, in our gym, Mm -hmm. they stand out Mm -hmm. and that energy puts them in a place that I would never want to be, you know, I would never want to be that guy in the gym that everyone's like, yeah, you kind of dude, this fool's fucking, you know, tripping, you know, like, yeah, because yeah, sure. it's not necessary, right. you know, it's not a requisite to Muay Thai to fucking drink rock, uh, Monster Energy drink, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you yeah. don't have to do that. Right. What you do have to do is show up and hustle. Mm-hmm. It's like anything. It's like playing basketball. If you show up to practice and hustle mm-hmm. and listen to your coach when they tell you shit, mm-hmm. you're going to fucking be a baller. Yeah. If you show up to the, the uh, Muay Thai gym, Mm-hmm. And just hustle and listen to your coach when they have something to tell you. Mm-hmm. You're gonna fucking learn how to fight, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's what the beautiful thing about it is the ultimate equalizer. Like, you know, at this point in my training, I'm not saying I'm a badass or I'm a world beater. You know, mm-hmm. I've I've had one fight and it went successfully for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know for a fact that you know I could be saw I could be you know I could I could be uh, uh, aesthetically. I could look like however the fuck I look. I could go put on some fucking Coke bottles glasses right mm-hmm. now and look like a nerd or whatever. Mm-hmm. But you could put someone who's chiseled, who fucking just stepped out of the gym in front of me, and if we really had to bang them, like I, I yeah, exactly. yeah, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. And that's yeah. what you. That's mm-hmm. that's one of the craziest things learning. You start to learn about masculinity and toughness and see it in a different light. Right. You know? Masculinity and toughness isn't being loud. It isn't fucking punking people out. Not it's posturing. not being shithead to people. It's when you have to bite down and say you're getting jumped. You know, I feel like probably all of us have been jumped, you know? Mm-hmm. When you have to bite down or in the face of five motherfuckers who are trying to rat pack you mm-hmm. and you got to bite down and fight your way out of that, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're not going to fucking wilt because if you wilt and end up on the ground and they're fucking kicking you in the head, you know, that's not good for anybody yeah. that you care about, yeah. you know? We, uh, we, we all heard the stories of people that have been fucking kicked in the head on the ground mm-hmm. and fucking, you know what I mean? And like... Yeah. In a coma and shit like that, like mm-hmm. it's just crazy. It's crazy like that, you know, because that's the one thing that someone who fights in the street will have an edge on you. They'll take flight on you, while you're over here being like, "Nah, bro, fuck, we don't gotta do this," you know. Mm-hmm. But that's what you. That's what. That's the. That's the advantage that a street fighter has over most people. But they don't have that over someone who is trained and mm-hmm. right. You know I mean? Yeah. And and it's it, you you know we walk around at that disadvantage all day you know you mm-hmm. never know who you're gonna come across in the this street is true. and what they want to fucking do you know what I mean I've been mm-hmm. walking around minding my own business and have people try to jam me up and stupid shit like that I think yeah. we all have you know mm-hmm. and it's like it's really nice to be able to fucking have all the tools in the bag ready to go you know mm-hmm. at a moment's notice yeah you know? the first time I got in a street fight after I trained Muay Thai. I was just like, how is this shit coming out of me? (laughs) I didn't even know. know? And this fool, the the grown man who I could tell was probably tough or some shit Mm -hmm. like that, you know, who'd been doing this his whole life, 
he looked like he was gonna cry. You know, and I'm not saying that's advocating street fighting. No, I'm no, saying not at all. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying like that's the difference, you know, between someone who's trained and someone who's not yeah. trained. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, because I see you guys like getting it, man. And I'm like, dude, and like Biz has lost so much weight doing this shit. I'm just like, this oh, motherfucker's like, da da da. You know what I'm saying? Like he's fucking, he's he's on him. You know, so I'm like, fuck, these guys are really going, and it inspires me, like, cause I, it's like, okay, these these guys are in my circle. You know what I'm saying? Like we're all cut from the same cloth, you know. So I'm like, oh, along well, along those notes, you know, even though I'm not active anymore, I'm pretty much a civilian. But you know, growing up, like you know, I grew up without my dad, so I never had really like I would look up to like peers, you know, and sometimes the wrong fucking people, you know, to soak this fucking shit up. But like now, being a father myself and like having done this shit, you know, like you know, before I before I went to Muay Thai gym, like I would go to regular gym, you know, and. You know, you learn that, like, you know, you can't just go fucking hit, like, 10 reps on the fucking, you know, 10 curls, and then you're going to be fucking cut, bro. You got to put that shit into it. And especially with this, you know, because, like, I'm usually a confident person, you know? And, like, it's like, all right, bro, I've been going for six months. Like, bro, I fucking light these motherfuckers up. And then, you know, you get somebody who's been doing it for a while, bro, and they're just, like, you know, fucking, like, tickling your fucking nose with their foot. And you're like, fuck, bro, like, I thought I was tight. Which brings me to the other thing. You know, it is what it is. It is what you fucking put in it. Same as this art shit, bro. Like, you know, like like I told you when I came over here and I saw you really fucking going for it. Mm-hmm. I was like, bro, you really on this shit. Like, you know? Yeah. And obviously, you could tell by your fucking body of work so far that, you know, you fucking took this shit seriously yeah, and yeah. you fucking ran with it. Same mm-hmm. with Floyd. Like, I remember this dude, like, before he came out here and, like, decided to fucking just full throttle because he was always fucking around, you know, like, and we we're always fucking on some bullshit. But, you know, he was sleeping on my couch, bro, eating, like, my stepkids fucking chicken nuggets. And then one day he's like, bro, I got to move to, like, downtown Fresno. And, like, I'm going to go over there, and I'm just going to fucking, I'm just going to open up shop, bro, and I'm going to grind. And I was like, you know, like, I always had, like, the utmost confidence, even though we were fucking around. Mm-hmm. But I was doing, like, bro, like, you know what, if you put your head down, and you put your shoulders in that, in those fucking yokes, bro, like, fuck it, you know, like, let me know if I could do anything, like, from my fucking standpoint. But, obviously, you know, like, there's two examples, bro, like, you guys fucking put your head down, and, you know, you guys are reaping the fruits of fucking what you guys have been doing, mm-hmm. bro, like, putting, you know, getting, getting out of it what you guys have been putting into it. Yeah. Yeah. That's another thing, too, is that I feel like you're, you're self-taught 100%. Pretty, Do you ever check yeah. out college? You okay. College uh, I, Academy of Art Online. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like, I did the summer course, and then I did the fall course. And Recently I, or back in the day? That was, like, 2010. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it was, like, online, and I didn't, I didn't learn well like that. I did, I don't, like, I don't know what the fuck I expected. I got in there, <laughs> and I just was, like... I can't even believe they had online back in 2010. Yeah, well, it, yeah, it was like 2010, yeah, and it was the Academy of Law, because they're in San Francisco, it's yeah. like a, you know, it's a, like, that's the real, that's not the art institute, like, the Academy of Art's a real thing, you they know, so. that whole block. Yeah, there, yeah, 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 man, so, so every time I go out there, my yeah. heart goes into my gut, because I'm like, nigga, you flunked out of this shit, but... At the same time, I I found some people who could teach me, and what I learned is, okay, James, you need someone who's right next to you, and then that way you can cut to the fat and then get to. So it. was that more theory then? What you were, were learning more book work? Type okay, shit, so or? the Academy of Art, it was like the same stuff. Like it was like okay, the shapes. And then like, okay, so buy the shapes, buy the bus, buy the torso. But they were like, draw it. And they didn't, for me, I didn't know that I could like produce something that was like that. Like the newer, because I have the older drawings yeah. that I did back then. And I'm like, bro, the, the level that you thought a finished torso was then and like now, it's like night and day. You know, so I wasn't even, I feel like it was one of those things where the, the instructors were, for me, 
I didn't get uh like this is how this works like this is how like ambient light works like you want to think about these things like all types of stuff that when the instructor's next to me I can actually get like because they understand like what I'm not seeing or I'll ask them what am I not getting what am I not, yeah, what yeah, am yeah. I not understanding tell me because I just need to know where I'm fucking up so I can fix it yeah. bro I feel but, you um, on that shit because I'm taking some online classes trying to finish my degree and mm-hmm. same, like you know some of it's just I'm just like bro I'm just like knocking this shit out I don't give a fuck about this shit mm-hmm. you know but other shit like it's real interesting like I'm like fuck bro like I wish there was somebody like I was I wish I was in an actual class yeah. so I could ask questions bro and like you know pick your brain like mm-hmm. you know what is this what is that you mm-hmm. know like, so I can see how, especially a subject like you're fucking into, you know, like yeah, you're not man. getting what you want out of it. Yeah. So we're going to take a quick break, uh, pay some bills, and we'll be right back, guys. Pull your socks up. You know what's really good. Holla. Bangata. See? And we're back. Part two. Record. Okay. Let's try that again. We here. Biz and Floyd chilling. We were talking about all types of stuff. Art and... um aesthetics and things like that bodies of work um honestly we've had like four different conversations during the break so this is going to be us picking up and going in a completely different direction forgive us but you know how we uh get down oh also smoke it if you got it drink it if you got it entrepreneurs keep that schedule filled if you're at the nine to five pop those airpods in so your boss ain't tripping you know what's really good so floyd we were talking about, um, fuck, what were we talking about? We're talking about the painting and, and the, the, the compositions and the blends that your work has. You okay. Know? Yeah, so I was just, I was just telling uh, James that uh, one thing after you know, seeing his works from the beginning of his endeavor into uh, the art, the, the fine art world um, mm-hmm. up until now, I had always thought like early in the game when I would see his paintings that the, there was something like... Uh, that the blending quality of the way that uh, you you blend all uh, the different shadows and textures and colors and everything together mm-hmm. was something like was like a work in progress, you know, mm-hmm. and like you were you were figuring it out, you know, on the fly and like working it out. But now that you know years have passed and I'm looking at your body of work mm-hmm. all in one place, hanging all next to each other, I start to see like the dreamy characteristic of your blending is something that never left, even though your, your, your skills have grown, you know, exponentially over right. the years. So I was just thinking how the thing that I looked at in your early work, uh, and thought like that, it was like something that you, that you were working on getting rid of was something that persists to this day. Mm. And it's actually really characteristic and it defines your body of work at this point, which mm. is really cool to see. Wow. And now I, now I'm like looking at it and I'm like, I hope you never lose that dreamy characteristic, you know, mm. like looking at the at the KitchenAid and looking at the um, uh, looking at the, the the torso that you have mm-hmm. up here, yeah, yeah, yeah. and also really looking at the Pacific Southwest building, yeah, uh, on the on the on the mat over there. Thank you. Uh, yeah, like it's so dreamy, you know, mm-hmm. and like I feel like that dreaminess when you're looking at real world objects, but it has that dreamy texture and that dreamy finish to it, mm-hmm. um, makes them all the more. Uh, symbolic and meaningful that's interesting that you say that and I don't know if it's on purpose but when I do look at my paintings I feel like I I try to create memories and and that's kind of what the painting it ends up being is it's my version of what my memory is of that particular slice of my life you know and and dreams and and that's it's cool that it's coming across and that um you know, it's being put into words because as artists, we just, sometimes we're so busy creating work, we don't give, we don't give ourselves enough time to 
you know, perform some analysis on what is actually being presented. Um, so for me, it's, yeah, it's definitely, that's something that probably will persist in the work, but when I'm, like, like when I'm painting, um, it is, it's always, because I think, like, this is what I have to leave, you know, so it's, you, I used to try to, like, like, do the whole, like, tight stuff, but then now I'm figuring out, like, hey, let those brush strokes shine, make, like, let those, let those things go, because that is, that's naturally one of my strengths, and it was hard to realize, James, instead of strengthening your weakness cater to your strength because like you're going to get further catering to your strength than you are trying to work on your weakness when people like you know certain things so that's that's definitely um it reminds me of uh you know when either you're uh having hot flashes on acid and you just like stare at shit and you kind of like tell yourself like damn bro that shit just like i see somebody's fucking aura right now or like you know when you're coming down on mush and that shit's like fading off and you're like Damn, bro, like, am I just adjusting or what? Like, I just mm -hmm. see, like, like <laughs> spirit and shit, you know? Yeah. Shout out to, shout out to Mushrooms. The last time I did Mushrooms was actually with Biz. Oh, that was a wild time, man. <laughs> yeah, man, yeah. So, <clears throat> um, so now, you guys, I'm curious. Like, so, Biz, you have, like, with, with you, you know, coming up, going through, like, the graffiti ringer, and you know, um, seeing all of the things because you've been exposed to the street art, you've been exposed to the fine art. How do you feel like, like right now with the current art landscape? Do you feel like there's, a, uh, do you feel called to like express yourself in those in in those particular facets? Are you like wanting to jump back in the pool? Are you just like, are you having fun just seeing how everything is falling? Or where, where do you feel like everything is with you in the art game right now? You know what? I think at this point, uh, my expression, I guess what I would feel, makes me feel somewhat fulfilled because, you know, like obviously when you're out there grinding, bro, it's like a whole different mentality. Like we were saying earlier, bro, like you're out there to kill, you're fucking racking numbers, you're fucking don't give a fuck what's going on you just do it you know mm -hmm. and like now you know as a dad and as somebody you know who fucking got almost got into a lot of legal trouble you know mm -hmm. like i had to like reevaluate my life and you know kind of put my priorities which is my kid and you know living a civilian fucking law-abiding life um so i think like a lot of the shit that i do like i've always been kind of handy so you know like i do a lot of shit around my house like you know mm -hmm. like building stuff building my daughter like a tree house right now nice you know and like she kind of helps me on it like she's not the most handiest but i could see like where she like I'll sit back and watch her and like, I'll be like, damn bro, it's so crazy. Like, you know, like fucking like, I haven't like, you know, obviously I don't teach her to build. Like, I don't try to like, you know, push her in any specific path, you know, but she likes drawing and shit. And like her mom draws a lot and like on that side of her mom's side, you know, but like we'll be outside bro. And like the other day, like she just started like, you know, I was like hammering away, like doing some shit in my head. And like, I look and she's like building like some sort of little like hut, you know, with all kinds of shit. And like she stands back and looks at it like looks at a work for like a minute bro and then just takes off like again and i'm like damn bro that's wild like how like i look at shit like you know because most of the time like i don't plan shit i just kind of like in my head like all right bro that's what we got to do yeah. you know so like that's my current expression right now like i she's active my kid's active with the painting mm -hmm. so i feel like maybe i was actually thinking like maybe i should start bringing her out the art hop so she can see like you know mm -hmm. what some finished stuff looks like mm -hmm. even though you know some of stuff's way out of a realm but at least exposing her to that maybe mm -hmm. taking her to museum yeah i mean because we like going to the zoo and shit. Mm -hmm. She's still young. But I was like, you know what? Maybe just putting that, like, 
I don't want to steer a certain way, but I know if, you know, she shows an interest for it, I definitely want to feed it. Yeah. You know? So that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I mean, I doodle, but I was never good. You know, I just was. was well, but I, you said something that was key, though. You said I was good at shoulder hustling. Yeah. So the fact that, that that means that you're good at assimilating information and reapplying it. That is more than a lot of people. A lot of people can't do that. So if, if so, really, if you really wanted to learn whatever fundamental drawing, academic drawing, watercolor painting, and you put the time to it, and you had the right set of instructions, you could totally bust that shit out, man. On that note, you know, shout out to James. Shout out to the SFE homies, the GTL homies, the MCK homies for uh, putting up with me. Because guarantee some of the times when I was out there fucking doing some doo doo ass shit. And you guys, didn't, you know, you guys are like, damn, I'm like, fuck, gotta be next to this fool. Like, you know, you guys always show me love and shit. Like, even though I was fucking on something, probably or fucking walling out. Well, okay, and let, let's talk about that because this is something that I like to bring up in graffiti. And in graffiti, I always had the standpoint of. I don't care what the next person to me is painting. It's about what I'm painting. So, like, at the end of the day, you can paint the best piece. You can paint the worst piece. But when, but it's about my flick. The body so, like, work. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, and I would much rather paint with someone who I'm having a great time with. And it's a comedic, a high-value comedic experience. Because that's the thing. I feel like outside of painting, we have a friendship. You know, and that's one thing, whereas there are some writers who are really talented, but they're not my friends, you know, and it's a more, you the hot nigga in town, like, hey, let's go paint, and then that way I can get the clout painting with the hot nigga. I'd much rather paint with people who call me and say, hey, man, how are you doing, bro? Like, hey, oh, you got some stuff out? Oh, I'm going to come and check you out. Like, the person who actually wants to see, oh, you got some new paintings? I'm going to come and fuck with you at Art Hop. You know, not the guy who walks by at Art Hop and he sees me and you chilling and it's like, hey, what's up? And then he just keeps going. Like, the I've high seen buy that. And shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for me, I just, I, I, I just look at people based on their character mm. and all the rest of that shit is secondary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's like life right there too. Mm -hmm. That's like, yeah, life's good. Thinking sure. about how you know, some, some, sometimes people uh, can like take. Uh, I know, I know you're kind of like this. I'm kind of like this too. Uh, I don't know about you, cause, cause you love. I feel like you love to communicate and express yourself, even if you don't know the people you know that you're around or whatever. But it's like, I know I often get taken as being aloof or stand backish, or I don't, you know, or, or like it may be rude, or I don't know anything like that. But I feel like it's, you know, I was just thinking about it the other day, and I feel like it's because whenever I open my mouth, I'm trying to bring something genuine and and, and speak something truthful and breathe life into something that I really feel you know and, mm -hmm. and, and, and be sincere and uh, for me you know personally my experience is that takes a lot of energy you know mm. so I don't you know it's not an energy that I'm able to just like or that I'm or that I'm like uh, uh, prone or, or, or ready to just uh, dispense and give to anyone because it kind of takes a lot out of you you know and like yeah uh, but but when I'm around people who I really uh, want to share with and function with you know, it comes out naturally, and that's what I like about whenever time, whenever we're able to connect, or mm -hmm. you know, in this moment right here, right now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, a lot of times I go a, a whole day, and once I send my babies to school, and once I say, you know, I don't, I don't say a word all day because mm -hmm. I'm in my studio by myself, you know. Mm -hmm. And my uh, my my colleague works remotely, so um, yeah, I'm just in there, you know, I don't say much. Mm -hmm. So, got I, I kind of got used to the silence over time because I used to put myself next to people who were very expressive. You know, like I used to chase 
kinship with people who would silence out my own internal monologue, you know, in favor mm. of whatever the word is the flavor of the day, you know. Right. But now, as I've grown older, I've become more comfortable with with, with the silence and you know, with my own thoughts, which mm-hmm. is really a good experience. Mm-hmm. You know what? There's okay. I've been waiting to talk about this for the podcast. Okay, you guys, if you've been listening. Every episode I ask the guest about this and no one has had this. Everyone always is not able to have this conversation. I love you guys, but it, they just, they we can't have this conversation. Floyd, I can have this conversation with. So Floyd, I want to talk to you. Get Hi. excited. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, yeah, about yeah, some yeah. Griselda record oh, yeah, shit. Griselda record shit, yeah. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I don't like to, uh, to, to be on people like that, but... I gotta give her a lot of respect to what they're doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, Westside Gun, Benny the Butcher, mm-hmm. Conway the Machine, mm-hmm. and, uh, Derringer Productions, yeah. and even Alchemist to a certain extent, mm-hmm. how he's contributed to what they're doing and how they've collaborated. I just don't, you know what I mean? Like, I don't, the music of the day doesn't move me, you mm-hmm. know? And for a long time, that boom bap New York shit, mm-hmm. whatever the fuck, uh, whoever was out putting all that shit out, right. I didn't wanna listen to that shit either. But something about what they're doing just takes me, puts me in the space of like the the my personal timeless all greats, you know. Like yeah. I even hear a little bit of Mac Dre in the shit they're pushing, you know. Mm-hmm. Especially like West Side Gun, he's just he he he's that type of creative, you know, and that type of unique personality. It's like uh, you hear uh, ODB. Ghost, Mac Drake, just that game, mm-hmm. that mob shit. They're making yeah. mob music yeah. from Buffalo, mm-hmm. and it sounds like boom bap shit. Mm-hmm. But it's mob music to me. It's it's it has all the hallmarks of mob music, like what I listen to when I listen to uh, fucking Bavgate. You know, mm-hmm. like it has that spirit in it. You know, <laughs> and uh, really excited about it. But yeah, I feel like man. Too. Yeah. yeah, well, they're dropping an album. Their Shady uh, album drops on the 29th. Yeah, so that's that's cool. Biz, do you mess with Griselda Records? Bro, I wait till Floyd listens to it for like three years, and then I listen to it. <laughs> but we, you know what? When we used to take car rides, I would just remember like random shit. I'd be like, "Damn, Rush is tight." You know, in the car. Like, I'd be like, "Hey, what was that song where that dude says this and that?" Blah 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 blah. That, mm-hmm. they, every song they make is like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's insane. You know, because I'd be daydreaming and shit, but I would just like hear like these lines, and you're like, "Oh fuck, this motherfucker just said that shit." Mm-hmm. That's yeah. all I listen shit is to. Tight, you know? Yeah. That's all I listen to is shit that. That, that hits like that, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't listen to anything else, you know? Because you need some jewels. You want yeah. some You want some jewels and some gems in there, yeah. yeah. That's all I listened to. Uh, well, I fought earlier this year in Phoenix, uh, in Muay Thai, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, that's all I listened to getting ready, and it put me in the exact mind state I needed to be in. Nice. It wasn't like, I'm gonna, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. If I wanted to listen to that, I would have listened to fucking... Uh, 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 let the bodies hit the floor or some <laughs> shit like that. But, you know, I wanted to listen to something uh, that, 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 that helped me tap into that fly, calm. I'm, I've been, I worked out, I've done everything I can to get ready for this. I got mm-hmm. this shit. This fool ain't got nothing for me. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like I want to kill this fool, but it's mm-hmm. like, nah, I'm going to show him something. You know, I'm going to show mm-hmm. him what I've been, I'm going to show him what we do over here. You yeah. Know? Like that, that energy, and, and it helped me tap into that energy, you know? And so yeah. I like to tap into that energy every day if I can help it, you know? So that's what I'm on right now. So. I didn't come yeah, to yeah, play really listen to that shit. Because on the way to work, I try to, like, all right, bro, what's going to, like, pump me up? And I, I listen to like the old mob shit, and I'm like, damn, bro, I don't be like serving no more. Like, yeah. this shit really don't hit like it used to. You know, I can't like acquaint myself to this, but that might be it. Just give me the right, right mindset to go out there and, you know, fucking handle the handle the fuck out of that customer service. You know? Yeah, when, man. When you take like Conway Conway the Machine story, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, bro, how old are you? 
Yeah, I'm 37, be 38 this year. How old are you? 34. All right, I'm 33. Mm-hmm. These, Damn, fools fucking, bro, these fools are fucking 36, 37 too, 38. Mm-hmm. And they're fucking doing it. They're mm-hmm. about to smash it, take it over, you know? Yeah. It's not, I always thought of rap, especially for the, you know, I, I know he's never going to hear this, so I'm not worried about talking about this because, you know, we're kind of connected to this fool. But, like, we grew up listening to this fool. His name's AWAX. Okay. Right? Yeah. AWAX. We, we, we all love AWAX forever based on the influence that his music has had on my life. You know, there's some gems in his shit. You yeah, know? you got some. Yeah. And, and I, you feel the same way, right? But now, like, AWAX now is like, you know what I mean? Like, 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 uh, trying to find yeah, himself. Okay. Listen, but he's like 38 or something mm, like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it's kind of hard to listen to that, even though I have an affinity for AWAX and, and, and just a respect for the music that he, he, he has some, some music that is completely timeless to me. I'll be able to listen to it when I'm 70 and listen to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But it's like, he's chasing a, a, a moment right now that is a young it's a young man's game you know mm, yeah and i feel like griselda don't give a fuck right you know they're doing the young man's game harder than the young men can do it true you know what i mean mm-hmm. as far as fashion and as far as mm-hmm. all that shit goes because they they're tapping into this wisdom and this experience and this rawness and they're doing playing the young man's game as good as they could do it mm-hmm. you know and they got that bars the li- real solid concrete bars mm-hmm. like when you when i listen to um to to west side gun it's so eclectic and bugged out. Like, it's almost like uh, Lil B or something like that. You know, like, I listen, I fuck with Lil B because it's so eclectic and creative and out there. Mm-hmm. West Side Gun is that eclectic and creative and out there. But yeah. he's also rooted in, like, the ground where, like, on the ground enough where Lil B's floating in the clouds, West Side Gun stands firmly on the ground mm-hmm. with bars and with, with his way. Classic albums. Mm-hmm. Every album's a fucking classic. Yeah. You can listen to it beginning to end. There's nobody doing that right now, mm-hmm. you know? This, this ain't Drake shit. I don't have nothing against him, but mm-hmm. I'm saying, like, you know what I mean? Like, like it's wild, bro. There's and, no one doing that. And to your point, uh, taking, because I, I think about, like, the um, the Undertaker versus Goldberg song. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah. That it's like you start off singing, and then there's this dirty beat flip, and then it's just like, ugh, like, yeah. just raw, like, razor blade sharp yeah. lyrics, yeah. you know? And he might skip two bars. Completely. Mm-hmm. Let two bars. He might say something like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah. you know, yeah. and you're just like, Bum. yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell Virgil right, brick on my brick. But you know, <laughs> you, you can't, you can't like, uh, you can't explain that to people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's either like, I, like I, I even try, I try to put my best friends on that shit, uh-huh. and they like, oh yeah, okay. Uh, anyways, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, you can't explain that shit to people. You can't convey that shit to people. Yeah. You know? Yeah, there's definitely, and I think that it comes from, you guys were talking about that mob music, I think it's that, because we want the heavy, we want three things, we want quality bars, and then you want different beats, which they're able to do, but then also, you want it to feel like, like, it's not, it's like, I need some dirty shit, you know what I'm saying, I need like some out the gutter shit. Yeah, and and I don't want to hear, necessarily hear dirty shit from some weenie, Mm -hmm, you know what I'll, like it, if in, in ideal conditions, the fucking savage shit that you're listening to is by someone who's not just fucking pulling it out of right. their ass, you know. Yeah. And it, I don't know them personally, but it seems like they're mm-hmm. on their shit. Like you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like gutter shit. Yeah, Conway said the funny part is I wanted to quit after I got shot in the head, looked in my face, and said I d- I'm done with this shit. Yeah, yeah. Like dude. 
And, yeah, and he's like 36. Well, I'm trying to fucking bubble up when I'm 36. I'm trying yeah, to man. level up when I'm 36. Right, man. Who Shit. levels up when they're 36, you know? But but what that goes to show is, is this is the age that we live in. That it's not a young man's game anymore. Like, wisdom definitely can circumvent some of that youth. Yeah. Especially if you're not just expecting people to pay homage to you for no reason. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not expecting people to show up and fucking bow down and just because they're old. Right. Because we all know where that goes. That doesn't mm-hmm. go nowhere. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. They're adding contributions to the progression of the art form. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're, their age is, a, they could be 21 doing, at making a contribution to the progression of the art form. Or they could be 37 making a contribution to the progression of the art form. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they're pushing things forward. And that's what gets, that's what people take notice of, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, because it's, it definitely, it seems like not, I don't know any other rapper who's able to put out fashion that should sell out like supreme shit. Like, and what those West Side Gun hoodies, they go, man. Yeah, like, yeah. those things, every time I want to get one, it's like the one I want is not there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that's like, it's like, he's like, drop it 12, and it's like, oh shit, it's three o'clock, and them shits is gone, yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. You know? Yeah. There's a few artists out there, you know, and 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 I'm biased to what I listen to, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But I got to uh, shout out Larry June for sure. I feel like Larry June is is making music that's like timeless that is the taking out his experience as a as a as an artist and, and and he's 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 in his in a rare form right now. He's in he's at his at his peak, you know? Mm. Like making music that and and people are taking notice of that too the same way. And these fools are uh well, I guess Griselda's on some in, uh, major label shit now. No, they yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. But they don't give a fuck. They're but here. they got cosigns before even. I mean, like you had like like Raekwon, Prodigy, all of those dudes have been on their songs. Yeah. So I mean, like, yeah, they've they've had those high level collaborations. So like, it's like you know, 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you get the cosigns, then you get the deals, and then I mean, like going from. You know, I mean, like they're pimping the system. You know, they they got their whole group on on Shady, and then Westside and Benny went to Rock Rock Nation, and they got to deal with Jay Z. So and they got the clout enough. They got the they got the the, the product enough mm-hmm. to be able to make those kind of moves. And even like a, a figure like Jay Z or Eminem can't say shit about it. They want a piece of it either way, mm-hmm. you know, because they want they want their stamp to be on that historical legacy contribution to hip hop that they represent right now. Right. You know? You know, and and t- while we're on the subject, it seems like now the music movement is short, more short bodies of work in a smaller span of time. So, like in a year, you'll get two or three. Whereas, like back in when we were coming up, we have to wait every two years for an album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, and I don't. The the songs are shorter too, you know. So it's like that. It's like it's a shorter album. There's only two verses on the song. You know, most songs you might get a hook, you might not get a hook. Um, some but of them are skids, you know. Yeah, yeah they mm-hmm. still got skids, you mm-hmm. know. So those yeah. are eating up the time, but mm-hmm. it's more like LP or yeah, it's like an LP yeah. type thing, right? Mm-hmm. So for me, it's you know, it's going back to you, what you said about your art. You said I need to make sure it hits these check boxes, but with the most minimal amount, you know, of yeah. information in that way. And I'm thinking like, is that where we're at now? In art and creating whatever art form we are, I think I think it's where we're at in culture and society. Mm. People's attention spans are short as ever. So the yeah. fact that there's someone making who's constructing an album with the intent that it's listened to from beginning to end, mm-hmm. 
there's not, you know, you can't say that for every artist. Some of them are just trying to make, are trying to uh, make that uh, the single. fucking ringtone. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, even yeah. though nobody uses ringtones no more, but I'm saying like, <laughs> that's basically what they're doing is making like a ringtone, you know, mm-hmm. or making, making that. Making a single. Yeah, oh, yeah, making that, making that one track that fucking bangs. Right. And the fact that there's still people even making, regardless of whether the songs are shorter, the album's shorter, but there's still people thinking from beginning to end mm-hmm. on, a, on, a, on, a, on a project is, yeah. is pretty significant, you know? Mm-hmm. And that we're still here listening to it is pretty crazy, too. Yeah. Hmm. It, it, you know, when I see that, I always ask myself, James, how can you apply that to what you do? You know, so it's like, because the, the rules of success are just rules, man. Like, they're not, like, that shit don't, not, it's like, it, they work for everybody, you know, so that, that's the whole thing, yeah, man. I think for them, I think for them, the thing that I, you can apply that that's universally applicable is presentation. Mm. They don't slack on the, how they present their work. Like, mm. the fact that they press their own vinyl, mm-hmm. and their vinyl is not just some uh, black record that you pull out, you know? Right. And it's, uh, like, some crazy wax, like, mm-hmm. red on one side, black on the other, mm-hmm. with the white stripe in the middle. Mm-hmm. That's all groovy looking, you know? Like, some shit that came from the fucking psychedelic True. 70s or some shit. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not by accident, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? They didn't, they, that wasn't uh, the... When 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 uh, 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 guns out here commissioning paintings mm-hmm. that he yeah. then puts on sweatshirts, you know, yeah, like I'll, 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 watch, I'll tell you what we'll yeah. <laughs> I got something in the tuck. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 got Hart, something in the tuck. That Owen Hart mm-hmm. Malenko shit that he's mm-hmm. literally commissioning artists just mm-hmm. like you, yeah, to to make oil paintings mm-hmm. of this shit, and yeah. then he's taking that art and putting it on a fucking mm-hmm. hoodie that's cut down the middle. Yeah. Yeah, screen printing it, you know. Them shits is nuts. Yeah, exactly, you know. That shit, dude. That I, dude, that that shit's tight. The fucking, it'll be like a black one and a green one, or yeah. like black. That shit's fucking sick, dude. Hey, shout out this fool by the way too. Uh, Hair impressing. Okay. This fool is making some sick ass shit right now too. Like, uh, Check them out. it's funny because it's all the tags say they're the sweatshirts like made in Italy, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's that's a funny uh, technical thing. Like if you if you add appliques or finishing aspects to the garment, mm-hmm. I've heard that you can put like it's made in wherever was the last stitch that was put in it. So like, and it gives it that gravitas. But it's like a smart game, you know. Like an offshore game. loophole. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, hair pressing is going uh, goes really hard. It, okay. Sick collabo, sick sick everything. Yeah, I'm gonna check that out. I'm feeling that shit right now. Like mm-hmm. basically like. If you can take a hoodie and make it feel like it's a more elevated garment than a hoodie, mm-hmm. you know, like, it, but, but but by doing basic shit, you're mm-hmm. putting a patch right here, yeah. some embroidery right here, screen print on the sleeve, putting a, 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 a stitch through this print right here. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's really interesting right now because it's something that's accessible to all of us. And when you buy, when you buy the, a piece like this, it comes in a big ass uh, Ziploc bag. That's orange, you know what I mean? Nice. The whole presentation, then you rip off the hang tag. Mm-hmm. It's gratifying from a, for a consumer mm. to have that experience, yeah. and there's lessons to be learned from all that shit. That's what that's what uh, they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's like they're packaging their shit so that number one, you can buy a vinyl. You know, like so many artists, you can't even buy their music on vinyl. That's true. But they're self they're they're funding that themselves. Mm-hmm. They're paying the money to have whoever make the vinyl. I've seen uh, uh, tapes uh, of. Uh, I think Conway the Machine mm-hmm. in Jap- all Japanese mm-hmm. writing on them and their cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. Cause I know Makami, you mess with Makami. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. does he does tapes too yeah. and like CDs and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Th- that's it's all about presentation. It's mm-hmm. all about the experience that you're creating for your patrons. Mm-hmm. Cause they have fans, but in the art world we call them patrons. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And it's the experience that you're creating for your patrons. And like we were talking earlier about Cardi uh Sewell when we were on our break, mm-hmm. uh shout out Cardi, uh like definitely 
Uh, we might need to get him on here. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. He, he, he would be a, a really interesting part. Every conversation with him is a, is a, a wild ride. He, he knows about everything. Like, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a student of society and nice. history and everything and philosophy and mm-hmm. a really interesting guy. But uh, he has created a patron out of me. You know, by nurturing his, his relationship with me. Mm-hmm. So every time he gives me a call and he on the other end, he has works that he's trying to get off. Mm-hmm. I feel this tug in my soul to purchase it. Mm-hmm. So now I got like nine or ten of his paintings, you know, mm-hmm. like all oil paintings or, or, or some or, or paintings on panel. Mm-hmm. I got like a 36 by 40 on panel by mm-hmm. him. And I would have never thought I would have invested so much in his body of work and had that shit all over scattered around my house, like mm-hmm. coming out of fucking the fucking seams of my house yeah but it's because he nurtured me as a patron Mm. and created an experience for me that was whether it was intentional or not that was based around um keeping me in the loop about his art got you and yeah when you're able to create that it doesn't matter if you have one patron or you have 20 of them or you have 100 of them or you have one fan or 10,000 fans or a million fans Mm -hmm. if you're able to nurture that personal connection with them Mm -hmm. they're going to support you yeah definitely Mm something to think about yeah man and you nurture you nurture that connection by attention to detail you know mm-hmm. and by doing things just that little bit differently because that's what people take notice to yeah. is that little bit it doesn't put you out for instance like the gilding on the on the inset of these frames mm-hmm. right here that's real gold yeah mm-hmm. the leafing the, mm-hmm. the the ones that have it stick out to me mm-hmm. you know yeah and it wasn't i don't know how hard it was to do that mm-hmm. you know maybe it was took an hour and maybe it took five minutes you mm-hmm. know but that attention to detail, mm-hmm. I feel like, sets that shit apart. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. And it's and as a creator, it's a cathartic experience to do that. Right. So you get something. You get it's therapeutic for you to put that gold leaf on it while you're doing it. Mm-hmm. And then when someone's holding it in their hand and looking at it, they're like, "God damn, this is tight." Mm-hmm. You know. Like, yeah, see, and, and while we're talking, shout outs to the Vatican Custom Framery. If you guys are artists or art collectors, uh, check them out, Vatican.com. They're probably running a frame sale. All the frames probably have sold out within the first day, which is usually what happens. Um, but yeah, man, it's, yeah, for me, like, and, and I, I'm, I totally, I agree with you as far as, like, they do. Like, when you have that, it sticks out, and when you don't, it, it doesn't. Um, but then also it's the person because the frames like how can I say this like that adds it's like art on art right so with that being said and for me I feel like I'm attempting to price them fairly reasonably but I can't sell a framed piece of art for like $50 or $75 you know it has to be like at least enough for me to get another frame you know original, what I'm saying? original fucking artwork like, yeah yeah crazy. for sure yeah. so but like one thing that I think that I could step up on is my packaging because I do I'm okay with like sending extras and stuff like that but I think my packaging still leaves a little bit to be desired and, and, and now is the time and the reason why I say that is because mm-hmm. there's so many Back to t- 10 years ago, mm-hmm. even five years ago, mm-hmm. definitely 20 years ago, mm-hmm. they didn't have the products on the market mm-hmm. that where you could uh, buy a 20 pack of envelopes or a 20 pack of bags mm-hmm. or, you know, or have something produced with your name on it mm-hmm. or something like that, yeah. like you can now because mm-hmm. the supply chain has become so democratized and the access to packaging is now more accessible than it ever has been you know mm-hmm. and so like we're living in an age where it's really easy to produce 
whatever the fuck you want to produce, you know? Mm-hmm. And as creators, it's incumbent upon us to leverage those resources to create an experience for our audience that is conducive towards like that 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 thrill that we get from that retail experience, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like all the major corporations know about that shit. Yeah. That's why when you walk in the Apple store, it's a, it's at a certain temperature. The lights are at a certain uh, dimness mm-hmm. or you know, a certain certain brightness. Right. Yeah. The, the finishing of the tables, the metal on the walls, mm-hmm. the entire experience is cultivated yeah. to make you want to pull your wallet out and fucking give them whatever mm-hmm. you, is in it. Right. You know? And we can do that too as, mm-hmm. as, sm- as, as, as creators that are making things on a small scale. True. You know, we can do that too. Like with my Oso shit, that's what I've been just like, I spent maybe four or five months figuring out and creating and sourcing all the little individual pieces that go into a pro- uh, uh, the final package and product that I hand to someone when they buy a shirt. Mm-hmm. So there's a, there's a hang tag. There's a, the string that puts the hang tag on the shirt. Mm-hmm. There's a little safety pin that yeah. puts the, that on the shirt. The sh- all the shirts are are are, are relabeled, um, you know, to suit our branding and have that information on them. Um, and the bags that I, I printed up, custom poly bags, and every single one of those pieces, those seven or seven or things that I just listed, mm-hmm. all come from a different source. Mm. And I had to buy them all from a different place, but they all go into this one final thing that someone gives me. You know, buy the shirt, and I hand them this package, and yeah. they, and, they, and and that package, I'm trying to make it live up to the experience I had when I purchased this, right. what I'm wearing right now. You Got know? you. Yeah. Because um, I think we all we live in a time when that's that's what you're playing. That that's the that's your when you buy uh, the album, you know, West one of West Side Guns album, mm-hmm. you're not buying the music per se because you can listen to that shit on Spotify. Right. You're buying the physicality of the experience mm-hmm. of owning this thing and putting and sitting it up on a little stand on your in your living room, yep. and that experience is what you're purchasing. Mm-hmm. You're not buying the music. That's true. You know. Yeah. And so we all we all have opportunities to do that, and it's mm-hmm. fun. It's amazing when you start to nerd out on that shit because mm-hmm. you're always gonna you're, you're you you take your painting seriously. Mm-hmm. I take my design seriously just the same way. I've been yeah. doing it so long. You've been doing it so long, but we've been putting off our Cut our our customer experience, mm, you know. Yeah, that's like true. that's one thing that we just have for whatever reason have have seen as non-essential. Yeah. And to be completely truthful, it, it isn't essential. You can sell a painting, mm-hmm. you can sell a print with no emphasis on packaging at all. Right. But if you do, the numbers are going to go up. Exactly. And I definitely see that. And I mean, to to your point, there was one art hub where I had set up my lighting a little different. You know, I set the lights up like in the corners, and they were like leaning down on the paintings and the the response was like night and day. Like people were like people who came in and they had seen the painting before were totally amazed by the same painting that they seen. I said, wow, just having my lighting on point in these, cause I've had it in other spots before, but this was optimal, you know? So thinking about all this, it definitely makes me think like, okay, with my prints, I should be packaging in like a current menu of what's on my inventory. So when you buy a print, you can see like, hey, this is the other stuff that he has, yeah. you know? and, and or putting numbers on all these works and then having a price list. Or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Different things like that. Like uh, um, that's what that's one of the really cool things about uh, about going to numerous openings at like say one gallery is you get to see what changes over time with the way that they're presenting the work. Some of it doesn't change at all, mm-hmm. and some of it gets shuffled around. And even the installations that the artists do during solo shows mm-hmm. are like impressive, crazy shit. You know, and. Uh, like to be able to experience that shit is just a blessing, you know. And again, shout out to Ro and uh, Andres Guerrero from Guerrero Gallery and uh, previously White Walls. Uh, 
is just a wealth of information to be gleaned because there's so many options when you're a creator. You know, mm -hmm. there's so many different avenues and ways you could take something. It's the it's a virtue of the act, the process itself. You know, it's almost like you ever see Dr. Dre sitting in his studio, and you think, does he really need all those fucking knobs that he's sitting in front of? You know, right. when's the last time he touched that one? You know, right. like, but if he did touch that one and move that one in the right way, it might mm -hmm. make that mix yeah that much better mm -hmm. you know yeah and that's the game we're playing too mm. you know and yeah it's just like you gotta you gotta tinker you gotta fuck with it because if you don't you're letting potential slip by yeah yeah that's that's definitely that has been on my mind guys like and it's good to have this conversation uh to re re uh, affirm that that is something that i really need to think about because i was i'm looking into making um some woodcut prints you know, and now I can start stamping, stamping things and stuff like that. Yeah, man. It's interesting because, you know, you have a lot of different projects going on. Mm -hmm. This podcast is one of them, mm -hmm. you know, and it's funny how gratification, like when you see your subscriber count go up mm -hmm. or when someone shoots you a DM about the podcast, mm -hmm. does that gratification you got for the podcast eat in to your will to apply pressure to your paint game, you know? You know what? I'm glad you asked that. And Okay. Let me, I'll answer that question as best I can. Okay, so I feel like this, even though like people all say like James, you're a talker, like I'm, that's a gift, I have the gift of gab. I feel like my podcast is, I feel like my, my ability to make a, a painting, I feel like that influences my listeners. And okay, how can I say this? Because you want someone who knows what they're talking about. So like the more I'm able to show people like, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm I'm like going down this path. Then they're like, oh, okay, James can actually sit across from Floyd, you know, or whoever it is and have this conversation and actually know what he's talking about and not just be some interview guy who like does research, you know, and like has a bunch of stock questions. There's actually this, you know, like we're talking, you're telling me about your brother and Chuck Close. And when I think about when, you said Chuck Close and that immediately took me to when I lived in Seattle and was it what school there was a school in Seattle downtown and they had these big Chuck Close posters and like there was this big old ex like exhibition and honestly I remember people being like oh yeah we're going but my brain wasn't even on that to appreciate what it was but I remember seeing this picture and it was like it was like a portrait. There was like a bunch of little portraits or something like that. And I was like, that's just kind of tight. Yeah. But I'd much rather like go and rack or yeah. do like some dumb young kid shit. Yeah. You know, so it's like having these experiences, putting forth like this, this time, there's an authenticity to it. You know, because from, yeah, because I listen to a lot of podcasts and I listen to the podcasts who are, Artists, and I listen to ones who aren't are aren't as deep in the game, and they interview people, and they can't get that. Like you, there's only so much you can get not being in the field. It's just like Joe Rogan; he's able to do the MMA fights because he's a fighter. You know, like you're able to commentate because you know and you have that background. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, but it does. It makes me to answer your question. It makes me like always be. Uh, conscious of like James, you have to be making new stuff. You have to be pushing yourself to the next That's level. Fair, that there's a symbiosis there because honestly, the experience that I've had in the past is like when I'm like killing shit in one area. For instance, like we were talking about Muay Thai earlier. Mm -hmm. When I go to the Muay Thai gym four mm -hmm. times, five times a week, everything else slacks because I'm like 
I'm good. You know, I don't know what everybody else is. I don't know what everyone else is expecting from me right now, but I fucking checked off all my boxes. Like, I feel I feel pretty good about myself right now. You know? Yeah. And then other aspects, other obligations and responsibilities I have start to slip. So it's a balance for me because like, if my heart is full because I was doing something that I at this moment feel passionate about, mm-hmm. like, why do I got? You know, it's a little greedy for me to go. You know for me like I don't do that this show's not for me it's for the guests and that's why like on the Instagram I was like there's no pictures of me on the art and BS podcast Instagram because it's not I don't want that shine I want it to be about the guests you know I mean like I have a personal page. I have my art. That's what's, that's me. You know, but this, this arena right here, this is us to all build and to create some, some additional shines. For the know? culture. Yeah, it is. It's for the, it's culture. For the culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As, as, as cliche as that <laughs> is, you know, I, somebody told me, they said, James, you're a cultural ambassador. You know, I'm like, I'll, I'll take it. I, I will it. take it, you know. But at the same time, I mean, it's, you get, that not everyone says yes. You know, like, so it's like, 90% of the people say yes, but there's a 10% of, a, of, of no's that I get. So, but those no's let me know that I'm in the game because if everybody's saying yes to me, I'm not, I'm not asking the right people. Mm. You know, I need to get some no's yeah. and then that way it's like, okay, all right, cool. You, you, you in here, you're, you're punching. Yeah. You know, I was about to turn this shit down too, dude. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing the right thing, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit guys oh, and on that note though like like I was telling you earlier you know like you know some of us like Floyd was saying don't like to ask for help or go talk to people and ask mm-hmm. some shit you know so like my experience with our hop you know even though like I like some of the shit that's hanging up like I see some weirdo fucking standing in the corner of the studio and I'm like bro I'm not gonna go talk to this fool about his fucking art mm-hmm. you know but through your podcast like I'm like oh shit that's who that is so this is right, gonna play me for a fool right now <laughs> for everybody yeah. no I'm just kidding yeah. okay you know but you, you can you know you're like oh shit that's who that person is you know it adds a voice to that you know maybe that persona that they put on or just you know this fucking uncertain uncertainty that you have that you're gonna go up to them and maybe they don't want to fucking talk to you you know but here you know you you see the fucking person you see the body of work already and you put two and two together like i know off of this shit like my feet's fucking lit just looking at fucking dope shit all day like yeah. i can sit on the toilet till my ass cheeks while asleep and shit you know yeah, yeah, yeah. looking at fucking art they just you, off the recommendations from this now that's but hearing you say that i you know what it's crazy because like the, you you say like there's the guy in the corner and I've, it's weird because I totally get, I've been there. Like I've been like the first time I was in this building, I remember walking and seeing like Nigel in the studio and all these big landscapes and being hella intimidated and not going in there. And, but it's like, for what? Like intimidated, like it's just, we, as humans, we put this bullshit in our head and then, yeah, we need to realize everybody's human. Everybody has like uh, something that they love. Everyone has a fear, you know, like we're all, we're all, you know, flesh and blood and that's what this that's kind of what the art mbs podcast is for because you know as graffiti writers and people who come from the graffiti realm we don't talk about art like we go we hook up with our homies we okay hey guys we're let's system translator on okay yeah but like in the meantime of us like kicking it we're talking about music big booties like everything like that's under the sun outside of art but what i know this is like on the fine art side, there's a big emphasis in talking about art and conceptualism and all of this stuff. So I wanted to like merge the two, 
because it's like, you know, like they both are valid, you know, and the graffiti aspect is something that a lot of people, you can't, you can't just get into that. Like you, I mean, I guess you could, but then there's certain, there's levels to the game, you know, and I always use the, the, um, the verbiage of like, you know, you want to, you want to, for me, I want to sit down with the person I want to listen to, you know, so it's like, okay, who, who are these cool, like, who's, who's, who's doing shit, who's, you know, like, okay, we can get Floyd, we can get Drain, we can get, you know, right, like, we can get all these people, but then at the end of the day, like, are we helping the people who are in that slump? Because I, I would like for the person who's in that slump to hear this podcast and be like, man, fuck this shit. I'm about to get back up. Fuck this shit. I'm about to, you know, or... Find if, that motivation. Yeah. You know? Or if you... Or maybe someone who isn't in the art realm. Maybe they're an art lover. And maybe hearing Floyd talk about how he supports Cardi, maybe they'll look and they'll be like, hey, there was somebody who's been on my feed and who's been trying to let me know that they're selling stuff. Man, hey, I'm going to go ahead and support that person. So it's good to hear someone who's creative, who's making their way in a creative field saying, hey, no, I'm actually supporting and I'm actually an art collector and I'm an artist, you know, and that's the thing people need to hear too, because a lot of times we get it twisted as artists and we feel like, oh, I don't have to collect art when when you don't, but it helps if you do. It helps the entire yeah. ecosystem. Yeah. Especially take, oh sorry. I'll say it don't take much either, you know? Mm -hmm. You slide through art op like fucking a decal, small fucking print, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah. Like just something like like I said, dude, I got shoe boxes full of shit. Like, you know, it may not like you know, someday I I hope to put it up on a wall someday, but you know, that's where I keep my shit, dude. And like mm -hmm. I got shoe boxes of shit like I'll open them now and like kill two, three hours just yeah. looking at shit and going back to work. You know, I was when I caught that shit. Mm -hmm. It's like, I, I couldn't tell you how many zines I bought from uh, 1418 mm. right here. Like, every time I pop in there, I'm so, uh, sh shout out 1418, mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, uh, Jim and, uh, and Mono uh, over there at 1418. They're doing amazing work and they have amazing uh, products. Like, there's nothing like it here in town. You know, mm -hmm. every time I step in there, I feel like I'm in fucking... Milan or Paris or something like that, mm -hmm. stepping into some random store that I've never been into before because they, they have such an eclectic mix of, uh, of, of zines and what they're doing with the uh, uh, Rizograph. Or yeah, Rizograph I've been and, talking to them about yeah. doing some uh, Rizzo prints. Yeah, mm -hmm. they're doing something amazing, even, even though they're not, you know, they're not like an everyday open all the time, but every time I do pop in there, I just feel like they're, they're killing they're, mm -hmm. they're with, their, with their product selection and what they're bringing to the, to the community. Um, but yeah, buy zines every time I go in there. You know, I, I'm, I'm buying whatever, whatever appeals to my eye. I just boom, 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 grab this, this, this. And it makes me feel good to take it up to the counter, knowing I'm handing it to someone who every time someone walks up to that counter with something in their hand ready with their credit card in their hand, that's a grab. You know what I mean? It, it, it makes them, it, it, it incentivizes them to keep going mm -hmm. and to keep bringing this thing to the, to the, to the, uh, to, to our community. Yeah. So, you know, you have to rec you have to recognize your role as uh, like art hop nowadays, I mean, I'm not trying to say this is wrong or this is right, but it's like, you know, when I first started coming to art hop, uh, it was a much smaller affair, you mm -hmm. know, and it was a lot less emphasis. They, there was an emphasis on this, but it was less than to, to the point where it's exploded now. But it's like, you know, and, and I'm not trying to be like an old man on the yard or anything like that because I don't see anything wrong with it necessarily, but it's a party atmosphere. You know, patronage, patronage of the artists, patronage of the artists who are sweat, uh, uh, sweating over their work has become a secondary or tertiary uh, thing that about art hop. For the most part, what I see 
And you know, even I'm guilty of this is wanting to look cool, show out, you know, you know, you know, be a part of this 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 social event mm -hmm. more than it is to celebrate artists who actually work when nobody's looking, mm -hmm. who are in these studios right here or in their garage making art when nobody's looking, you know? And they look to that night to validate what they've been doing the whole month, mm -hmm. you know? And yeah. they look to that one night for the reason to keep going, mm -hmm. you know? And if you're here uh, preoccupied with your own reasons for showing up to Art Hop and not celebrating the artists, you know, and, and, and giving them that validation and that market feedback that they need to incentivize them to keep pursuing their passion, then something's broken, you know? Mm. So how do we fix that? Because that's something that I've noticed and, you know, I, I would like to ask you. Prohibition, bro. <laughs> Prohibit art? <laughs> and make, make art go underground. No more drinking, bro. Easy. Oh, yeah. No more drinking, bro. Uh, no, I think I think I think I think what you do. I, honestly, this is what I think what you do. I think you do it like you do anything. You know, it's like we talk about influencers mm -hmm. and we talk about that shit. Uh, putting your hands in the putting your art in the hands of people who are going to act as advocates for you. You know, like for instance, you've seen Cardi's work on my feed mm -hmm. because I have a relationship with him, and I'm I'm genuinely, if I didn't know this fool and I owned his originals, I would be like fucking bugged out that I have these works of art mm -hmm. in my collection, you know? Yeah. Much less that I know this person. I, I have a funny story about how I met Cardi. I'm not trying to make this a Cardi podcast, but this is a funny-ass story. Mm -hmm. No, speak into existence because yeah. the way it goes is when we talk about people, them niggas show up. Yeah. So let's go. So check this out. I've been on this uh, graphic design, like, kind of design uh, forum. It's mm -hmm. a small community, but it, it has people from all over the world on it. Um, it's called, I'll give it a shout-out, it's called Yehure. And I've been on it since, like, 2003, 2002. Mm -hmm. And so I've almost grown up with some of these people. And some of these people were older, you know, were 25 when I was fucking 15 on this forum, you know. Mm -hmm. So they're pushing 50 or whatever, you know, like getting wow. close. You know, they're old, they got gray hair and shit. And I'm in my, you know, moving into my late adulthood, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, so anyways, in a few years ago on the same forum I've been on since 2003, mm -hmm. there was a painter who was posting these really colorful vibrant wild like really technically executed paintings mm -hmm. and he would post them and i had seen a few of them but there was one particular panel painting that he posted and it was out it was taken outdoors and it was leaning against a, a fence mm. and i looked at this picture of this painting leaning against a fence outdoors and i saw the little tiny little fucking green and yellow little little shrub that was growing at the base of the painting and i saw the texture of the dirt it kind of mm -hmm. looked like chocolate milk you know and i'm like that's our fucking dirt. Those little plants <laughs> yeah. grew. Like I, I, I was running at Woodward Park and I saw those little plants. Mm -hmm. And so I, I hit him up. I said like, hey, bro, where the, where the fuck are you? Like, hey, are you in Fresno? Mm -hmm. And he was like, yeah, bro, I live on fucking Willow. And, da -da 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 -da. and I was oh, like, shit. all right, this is blowing my mind right now. But anyways, can we link? Like, what's up with that? Like, you know, and then we yeah. linked. And this was in 2015 or something like mm. that. And then our, our relationship has ebbed and flowed and, you know, whatever. But... Um, the, uh, a really funny uh, story of how we got back in the game together was I was in Italy and while I was in Italy he posted this triptych uh, that he had, had just painted this, this oil painting triptych mm -hmm. that he had painted and it was about I was in Milan and I was in the city called uh, 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 Verona which okay. is our sister city here and I was 
looking at these paintings that he had posted in the triptych, the content of the triptych, the concept of the triptych revolves around patronage mm -hmm. and the idea that during the time of the, uh, 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 the, the, the Medici uh, the family, Medici's, yeah, and, yeah mm -hmm. and when that, when that, when patronage during the Renaissance established itself, it was such a culturally deep and the relationship that, that, that artists and creatives had with their patrons mm -hmm. was so rooted in the culture that they had and so essential to the to the to the culture they created mm -hmm. that um nowadays we have people who are uh, uh like unfathomably rich like the rothschilds family mm -hmm. and they don't they're they're they don't pay they're not patrons of art on the same level and mm -hmm. they have more wealth than a medici could ever imagine right you know mm -hmm. and uh so that's why he has one painting. The first painting in the triptych is the sequence says Rothschilds are boring. Mm. Yeah, and then mm. the next one has a, 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 a Lorenzo Medici in the middle, and then uh, the next one is another uh, armorial bearings for another patron family in, uh, in in Italy. But I was in Italy when I saw these paintings nice. by Cardi, nice. and I was going through these museums learning about patronage. Mm -hmm. um, and how important it was to the culture at that time. Mm -hmm. And so when I got back, I was like, all right, how do I buy this shit? You know right, what I mean? Right. Yeah, and and I, now I own it. It's framed. It's on the wall. And uh, and yeah, it's just an interesting story of how how I met Cardi. Mm. And now yeah, now and and I won't stop talking about you know like the the relationship between artists and patrons. You know, yeah. because it's not hard for if it's the will of the of the artist to create that relationship. Mm -hmm. It's not hard to create. You mm -hmm. just have to be on people's ass. Mm -hmm. You know, and just like you said, you get no's mm -hmm. and you get yeses yeah. for this podcast. Mm -hmm. you're, if you're trying to make a patron out of someone, mm -hmm. you're, you're gonna you're gonna try different people and you're gonna get no's and you're gonna get yeses. Yeah. And some people might be a solid patron of yours for a year. Mm -hmm. Some people might be a solid patron of yours for five years. Yeah. That five years might go through ups and downs and lulls, and you might not talk to them for two years in, in between that time. Yeah. But it's a, I mean. You, you do it through creating relationship, you know? Mm -hmm. And people can have relationships with your art by seeing it from a distance. Mm -hmm. And people can have relationships with you hitting someone up on, in a message and say, saying like, hey, I really want you to check out my art. Yeah. Either of those can yield a relationship, you mm -hmm. know? Um, but I think you if you yield a relationship, if we were in Fresno, in the context of Fresno, mm -hmm. in the context of what we were just talking about, Art Hawk, if the right people were, were found themselves inspired to to forge a patron relationship and to be become a collector in this community, they could influence so many people under them mm. to have the confidence to become an art, a, 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 a serious art collector. Right. You can be a serious art collector and not be rich. That's you know? true, yeah. And that's what people need to learn is that you, you cultivate a culture of that as opposed to like, oh, I'm gonna go to the art show and fucking stand around and I'm gonna take a picture in front of the art, mm -hmm. but I'm never gonna think about spending 300 bucks and buying what I just thought. If I, if I thought it was cool enough to take a picture in a gallery, mm -hmm. you know? I should think it's cool enough to hang it above my fucking dinner right. table, you yeah. know, in my in my That's apartment, true. you know. That's true. Why don't I feel that way? Yeah. You know? Because I don't even. I'm not making. There's a disconnect, you know, mm -hmm. and that that there's lots of ways to to close that disconnect, mm -hmm. but you know, it just needs to be. You know what I mean, and I feel like it's more the artist's responsibility than it's for sure. And that's why that, and that's why I pose the question because if I don't fix it, it's not going to get solved. Yeah, you know, so it's like all right, we're we're in where where we know the landscape, but also what you said is it's acquiring the right relationships with the right patrons to you know. Yeah. I think price is 
uh, an aspect of it, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's a silver bullet. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't go bargain basement your fucking work that you're spending hella time on. Because right. how much are you gonna be making if you fucking really cut the price out of your work? Mm-hmm. You're gonna be, be making less than minimum wage on these paintings. Do yeah. you really want to make less than well, minimum wage? And you on know, these I usually have, um, you know, I usually have guys come in. I'll ask them like, "Hey, how much do you think this is?" Like, you know, I'll have like Nigel come in or like Norberto, and then like, "Hey, how much?" Because they've sold like, and then Nigel frames for like a high level art. So for me, it's like, with where I'm at, where do you think this painting is worth? You know, and then I'll get a, a decent, you know, like, okay, well, this is right. If you wanted to really move it. High end, low end, you know, so I'm like, okay, all right, that's what's up. So I try to stick with decent pricing that like won't break the bank, you know, but at the same time, um, yeah, it's just, there is, it's, it, it is, like you say, it's forming that relationship, you know, and I think once people know what goes into it, then they can say like, then they're comfortable paying those prices because it's like, okay, I'm paying a little extra for all and that's what that's why I'm paying extra. It comes with a frame. It comes like yeah. the paints are like really good paints. You know, you yeah, like, like you can take it. You can take it home and put it on your wall mm-hmm. and yeah. be done with it with yeah. a thumbtack. Are these like mm-hmm. you don't even have to get the level out. You don't mm-hmm. got to do nothing. Yeah. You put a thumbtack on the wall and this, mm-hmm. these paintings will hang for yeah. uh, years. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And like that's I love that grab and go aspect of it mm-hmm. because you're buying something that is obviously these original oil paintings. Like you're buying something that has so much intrinsic value Mm -hmm. but the convenience of what you finally do with it when you get it home Mm -hmm. is still there too people don't buy frames i've noticed that like i've sold so many panels and like i've went to people's homes who've collected my work and it's like it's up on a shelf or it's up on a, a mantle or something and i'm like wow People, a lot of people do not, after they buy art, they don't no. take that extra step to buy the frame. You, you know what this makes me think about is like, uh, like establishing, like, like, you know, like, like if we want to really establish a culture, mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like influential people don't collect art right now. Mm-hmm. It's not like that's not happening. It's mm-hmm. fucking happening. Yeah. It's just not being given a platform where people can see it, you mm-hmm. know? So I would actually be interested in exploring the art finding out if there's people out here that are moving and shaking and doing it and got audiences and da 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 mm-hmm. what's in your art collection mm. you know who have you been buying from do you own a chance james painting do you mm. own a this and that you know who locally have you supported and what's your relationship with patronage and you could do like a humans of new york you know it's like collectors of fresno wow that's you know? a good yeah yeah and you go and they have them invite you into their space show you mm-hmm. their collection document it in a certain way yeah. get that quote from them mm-hmm. and then create an instagram all about celebrating the collectors wow of Fresno, oh, yeah. because when you celebrate the collectors, you're celebrating the artists that yep. they that they pay. This is in, true. You know? Wow, that's a gem right there. Yeah, that's that might be a next. That's might be the next series right there. I'm down to help. I'm yeah, down to help. Yeah. yeah, let's jump. We'll, 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 we'll yeah. collab. We'll yeah. celebrate. We'll celebrate collectors. Mm-hmm. You know, because when you celebrate the act of collecting and the the, the it's almost an art form in itself. You mm-hmm. know, it's like when you celebrate the patrons, you're celebrating the artists. Yeah, this is true. This is true. We got it. Yeah, there's a. That's the. That's a gem for us today. Because that's the picture that we want people to be want, wanting. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the picture where you're standing in front of the artwork like, ah, mm-hmm. no, take a boonie of me. <laughs> it's the picture where you're fucking holding that shit because you're taking it home. Yeah. That's the yeah. stunt. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that the stunt is isn't, the, isn't just standing in front of it fucking thinking you're cool. The mm-hmm. stunt is fucking taking that bitch home. Yeah, that's now true. Now you're stunning. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, this is real. This is real. Like, yeah. so when you're walking down the street with an original framed artwork mm-hmm. out during Art Hop, everyone's mm-hmm. like, God damn, you just bought that shit? Yeah. That's tight. Mm-hmm. Who is it? Where's the studio? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's James. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the stunt. 
Yes. And we got to, that's the cultural change that needs to happen. Mm. It's like, you don't get stripes for standing in front of a painting you're not going to buy. Right. You get stripes for fucking supporting artists. Yeah. You know? Yeah, man. I'm yeah. on it, dude. We yeah. got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah I nah, love that this idea. Is, this is it. We, this, we're sizzling. So we're going to take one more break and then we're, we're at the tail end. We're going to wrap up in a second here, but just uh, hold, hold your, uh, Hold your head tight. Pull your socks up, you guys. We'll be right back. Okay, you guys. We're here. Tail end of the podcast. We're back with Floyd and Biz. We're in here. So, <clears throat> so Biz, you've been over there in the cut. Mm. So, now, outside of like... Because I know you said like you're working with your hands doing, you know, things creatively with your daughter and that's kind of keeping, you know, keeping you as far as like making things, you know, busy. Um, what would you say is his, his have you seen what are the things that you've seen change from like when you were in deep in like the graffiti game to right now like have you seen like what are some of the things you've seen change how has the art game changed like just from the civilian spectator uh standpoint have you seen um you know things evolve have you well uh it seems like obviously you know some of the big characters that i used to see like on trains because you know i drop by i drive by the yard every day mm -hmm. and you know so you see who's active who isn't you know and like some of the i've noticed some of the older heads that were pushing out volume maybe it slowed down or you know, disappeared. You still see them, but not like, you know, fresh panels like you did. Uh, there's a lot of youngsters that obviously are active, you know? Mm. And the weird thing was, like, you know, when I started slowing out, getting out of it, was right around, you know, the recession. And obviously, like, freight took a big hit. So mm. the fucking yard, which used to fucking swell, ended up being just one or two lines, you know? And, like, mm -hmm. even looking at it, you'd be like, fuck, bro, how do you even, like, sneak around in there and shit? Like, there ain't no no cover um so i've noticed that uh a lot of young guys you know it seems like there's a lot of quality um you know you still get like those toys going out and just you know brazen balls fucking just getting the shot but mm -hmm. uh you know you, i've been seeing a lot of quality it seems like the guys either have a great layup or just fucking don't give a fuck but there's some good shit out there um as far as the art i think maybe like uh i was listening to the the one you did with rodpez shout mm -hmm. to rodpez um, you know, maybe the accessibility of like YouTube videos and stuff like that, you know, information that used to be like, you know, handed down from generation from generation that you had a big homie that would tell you, okay, bro, look, you do the outline first, you do the fill, then fucking you go back around it and shit type shit, you know, like now yeah. you just Google that shit and somebody will tell you how to do it. Like, you know, so maybe there's not as many people bumping their heads, you know, people that just have natural, natural ability, you know, can go online, kind of Google, Google something, but all right, bro, like. I kind of had an idea how to do it. I mean, because, or maybe just because fucking, you know, Instagram just puts it all out there, but it seems like there's a lot of good work and there's a lot of people that are very talented, you know, applying themselves and just, you know, being able to reach audiences more than before. Mm -hmm. You know, where it would just like, if you didn't come to our hop, like you didn't really know, or, you know, if you didn't, you know, my fucking, if you were on MySpace, like you were really worried about fucking art, bro. Yeah. You were just trying to smash, uh, <laughs> you know, get some fucking guts. But you know now, like, you know, it's it's more of a photograph. You know, it might just catch your attention, or the algorithm might fucking point it out to you. And you know, you just go off on this tangent. You know, finding these new people, it just the accessibility of it. I think more than anything, I think has changed. Especially, you know, it's weird because it's like it makes you feel like an old old man because it's only been like. You know, a ten-year span, like where we were, you know, in 2010 to where we are now, rolling mm -hmm. into 2020, bro. It's like 
night and day and shit. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure the talent was out there. It's been out there because there's talented people, but now you know you get to see it more. Well, one thing, one thing I've noticed, uh, and I think like when you talk about graffiti, uh, there's there's so much you know so much of a sentiment, especially with people that aren't haven't really been in it for so long, is they they think it's like a element of hip hop or some shit like mm-hmm. that, or they think it's like you know, mm-hmm. but it's like it's really an act, an act in a social phenomenon, you know, it's like a game with it's all its own rules, and sometimes those rules don't even exist and they're broken and they're this and that, you know. But it's all kind of arbitrary and like a game. But, um, you know, and, and so much of the, the work itself is like it's not so much the aesthetic value of the work itself, especially nowadays, because I feel like the, the, the aesthetic component of it, especially in America, in our area, mm-hmm. has become uh, made more rudimentary than it was even 10 years ago, 20 years ago. You used to see more complexity, mm-hmm. but now the simplicity in the, the, of the forms has been dumbed down in a way. Um, that's really interesting. It looks like they're paying more homage to like subway graffiti, yeah. New York yeah. classic New York graffiti. Exactly. Yeah, or even or even the the California styles that have come about that you know that that you see like people put an interesting spin on them, almost Legibi- like they took the subway look. Shit. Yeah, they took the subway shit and mixed it with that California like Mexican shit and mm-hmm. are doing some really interesting things with it now. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that graffiti is an art form that isn't defined by the art itself. It's defined by more than that. Like, yeah, the aesthetic has something to do with it, but where it's painted, where, mm-hmm. where, it, like, what, what spot was, was taken, yeah. uh, what, you know, it has so much to do with it. And mm-hmm. so the most exciting things that I've been seeing is, like, I'm a, I'm a traveler. You know, I like, I like to get around. I've been to some interesting places. And um, I think one of the most inspiring, inspiring things that's happened in graffiti since, like, the turn of the century, you know, 2000 or whatever to now, has been the emphasis on the international game mm. where you see like MQ or you see like mm-hmm. these fucking global killers uh, or you see like guns in Puerto Rico or you see like uh, mm-hmm. you see these fools like and then you go to places like I've been to Tel Aviv, uh, Israel, I've been, you know, and then going to Europe and hitting Paris and uh, Venice and Milan mm-hmm. and da 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 and you the, the label game is fucking crazy, yeah. you know? Like, dude, Utah and Ether. Yeah, literally everywhere. You mm-hmm. know, you see it in, like, I've seen Utah and Ether mm-hmm. in every country I've ever been to. Mm-hmm. And then some, and a lot of times, there's they actually have tags in random ass spots mm-hmm. in Israel or in or, or here and there. Mm-hmm. And the international game is like, you know, maybe I have an affinity for traveling or an overemphasis on how much traveling means to me. But the fact to see these these artists out here. Like, they're not making money to go paint, necessarily. Mm-hmm. They're not making money to go hit up uh, Vietnam, you know? Right. Mm-hmm. But they're doing it anyways. Right. They're spending mm-hmm. money. They're investing mm-hmm. to get that spot that's yeah. never going to get buffed mm-hmm. just for that one flick. That, because it's one thing to get a flick on a train that you, should, that you did in your, your home yard, you know? But it, it reminds me of, like, a, 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 like, the stories you hear about Ty. How Ty would king, king San Francisco... And then take Greyhound all the way to New York City, spend a month in New York City and King New York City, mm-hmm. and come back as a member of Iraq out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and then take Greyhound back and kill the whole country again in between, you know? Yeah. But people are doing that internationally now, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's impressive enough that, that Ty was 15 when he did that shit, yeah. you know? Like, 
but but to see people like uh like bucket you know like mm-hmm. but like i don't know anything about the politics or the, the whatever surrounding bucket or you know what i mean mm-hmm. i know he went through some shit or whatever but to see him in pakistan getting up you know mm-hmm. it's like what the fuck yeah. these dudes are like that's yeah, like you get wild. your hand chopped off <laughs> right that's just nuts yeah, yeah. but he's but, but if you ask bucket he's probably like yeah but you get worse than you if you're in la mm-hmm. you know and you get caught on the wrong block in la you know because that's where he came from mm-hmm. and it's just seeing the ambition necessary to take your fucking artwork and you're not getting anything for it. Yeah. Pakistan's not paying for your ticket to go to Pakistan, True. you know? But you're doing it anyways because you don't give a fuck. Yeah. That's the ultimate expression of not giving a fuck for that fame shot, you know? Is when, mm-hmm. you go, when you go all the way across the world and you don't even know anybody, so you're solo and you get that shot, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because it starts off all city, then all nation, now motherfuckers are global, yeah. you know? Yeah, man. All world? Yeah, because yeah, I've been out there in the middle of nowhere in Thailand, and it's like, you know, I could only imagine if I was trying to fucking find spots out there. Like, you know what I mean? That's a whole different ballgame. That's a whole different Now, program. did you get your shots when you went over to, to Thailand and all those places? For what, do you, what do you recall? Like, because they're like your, immuno, your inoculations, oh, immunizations, no, 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 all no that shots. shit? No, 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 no. Okay. No, no I haven't you... got shots on for any of that shit. Okay. Yeah. Shot, okay, we're... <laughs> No one ever gets yeah. shots. All the artists on here who talk about gold places, like they're like, and then some of them have stories of getting like food poisoning and weird shit. Some yeah. of them don't. I feel like you get food poisoning, your shots aren't going to help you, you know? <laughs> but like, uh, I had a staph infection that I got here one mm. time. I got it here uh, working out at GB3, mm-hmm. and it started out as a little pimple, and then I took the 20 hour plane ride to Israel, uh-huh. and by the time I got off the plane, it was a little bigger, and the next day, my leg was like three times the size of normal, and I had a oh. fever all over my body. Whoa. And I was laid up in Tel Aviv, like, like feeling like I was on my death. I, I could have been, you know, because I've heard stories yeah. about how that can go in your blood and shit. Mm-hmm. But that was a crazy experience. But a shot wouldn't help me there, you know. It's a fucking staph infection. You know? Is that where that anointed uh, Jesus oil fucking saved your life? Nah, I actually had to boil a uh, had to boil a uh, boil a, a washcloth mm-hmm. in boiling water. Take it out with tongs of the boiling water, hold it out for maybe 10 seconds till it cooled down just a little bit, and then just held it on. And then all of a sudden, that fucking big ass thing just opened up and started leaking like Thousand Island. You know, it leaked Thousand Island for like 10 days until it was completely hollow hole, like bone deep in my shin. Whoa. And then that's how I learned to clean the the heavy bag at at GB3 every time. I get the alcohol and the paper towel, wipe down the whole thing, and I've never got another one. Wow. That's crazy. So clean the heavy bag, guys, before you go. Yeah, clean the heavy gym. bag. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good story. That's a great one. That's a good one. <laughs> this is just... It's all bad, dude, when your legs are like a thousand. You got that animal-style fucking legs. <laughs> <laughs> And then, it, and then when, when all the Thousand Island leaks out, it looks like you got fucking grilled onions inside hanging out of your leg and shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> See that white meat. <laughs> right? Yeah. Right? That white meat stroll. Oh, snap. Okay, guys. So we're wrapping up here. Um, where can they catch you guys at on the web if they're looking for you? Uh, you can catch me. Uh, so I'll kind of break it down, all my different projects that I got going on. I got uh, my, my creative studio is called People, PPL. So on Instagram, it's PPLHQ. Uh, on uh, on uh, 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 our, our website's pplhq.com. Uh, my personal shit is uh, f dot Sanchez f d o t Sanchez. I'm on uh, Instagram and Twitter, and then I got a brand that I just started. I'm really excited about it. Um, it's uh, it's called Oso, 
And so our most of our shit is under uh, Oso Ik. So like Oso and what, uh, or Oso and what, or something like that. You know what I mean? Uh, but uh, yeah, we're on Instagram. That's mainly where you can find us. And um, yeah, it's something I really put a lot of effort into and a lot of love. And um, it's all supporting um, our region and the story of our region. You know, and and and, and the story of our our struggle and, 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 and our, our sense of inadequacies and the things that we have to, uh, that to be proud of mm-hmm. and everything in between. That's what that's all about. Mm. Cool. And, uh, me, I'm not active. So everybody knows me can get a hold of me already. <laughs> uh, if you, if you want to catch me, I'll probably be at Walmart in Madeira buying fucking government cheese, like at 10 o'clock at night. But, uh, thanks for James. Love the podcast. Mm-hmm. Keep it, keep it moving for the movement. Mm-hmm. You guys got any shout outs? Um, shit. Uh, the GTL homies, SFE homies, MCK homies, uh, anybody else that fucking probably put up with us during our hops when we were faded. Yeah, shout out, uh, shout out Roman, uh, big homie, Ro, uh, we love you, you mean a lot to us, you're, you're, you know, you showed us so much, you put us in the game. Um, everybody in, uh, in MCK, all the old heads, uh, everybody in GTL, um, you know, thanks for showing our town and the people, you know, our our our, our standouts love and and bringing them into uh, the movement that you guys created. Um, I want to shout out uh, Cassie and Kirk at Root General. Um, thank you for everything you do downtown. Um, I want to shout out my my uh, my family, my wife uh, Jordan and uh, my and Noah and Zoe. Um, I love raising you in downtown, and um, I hope that. Uh, I hope that you guys appreciate it when you're older, the experience you've had. I feel like every day is like Sesame Street down here. And uh, James is James is the artist, the Sesame Street artist. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, man, thank you guys for coming out. Um, you know, we appreciate you guys. Listen, you could be anywhere on the internet, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. Catch us again next week. Same BS time, same BS channel. Once again, this is some shit I just thought of y'all. Scientific fiction that's not admissible in no court of law. I'm out of here like Vladimir. James Jarrell's over and out. Peace. <laughs>